Activision owns Laura Bow Mysteries and Gabriel Knight. <gasps> That's a monopoly. No. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, but in a slightly different location, and I don't know where he'll be to the left or right of me, is... Saul Bridges, bringing y'all lucky episode 247? Five. Know. Good 245. job. 245. Yeah, we missed, we missed an episode in there. I don't it's blame It's 247. I got to move my flight up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but uh, next to me, who has to move his flight up now, is Mr... Uh, Chris Figs. There we go. It's me. It's a me. Hey, Chris. Look, I made right. a mistake, boys. I meant to go get a Diet Pepsi before we started, so y'all do y'all's thing. Let me go get my soda. I don't know. Cool. If you are new bussy. to the podcast for some reason, I almost said it myself. <laughs> uh, if you're new to the podcast for some reason, uh, this, of course, is a PlayStation-based podcast, but we talk about gaming at large. And, of course, a good conversation around today is going to be over the Microsoft acquisition of Activision and with it, their seminal IP like Pitfall. And Interstate Lost Vikings and Interstate 76, uh, such such losses for the industry at large. Uh, but we will talk about that in the long run. Uh, as of right now, we like to get this show started off uh, the right way. And I will go ahead and say, as anyone who's been on any of the social media stuff, I do have the COVIDs, but I'm on the, I'm on the very tail end of it. Uh, I jinxed myself last episode. Instead of trying to be COVID-free since 2023, I should have been content with being COVID-free since 93. And, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. This is becoming a mess. Here I am. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mateos. Y'all, you need to try this. This I I have not had Mateos since I've been sick, and I kind of want it, but I'm worried. You can buy this at like Walmart neighborhood market for all those that like salsa. Go try it. It's really good. I I I was in my fridge, and I was like, you know what? The world has to know. The world does have to know. Go get your dot bussy. All right. Anyway, uh, we're going to get the show started off the right way. So while Saul's doing his thing, I will go ahead and let Chris regale you with all of his gaming uh, that he's been having over the past week. So, Chris, what's been up to? Um, I've basically only been playing two games. I've been playing Loop Hero on Switch, which is shockingly fun, and Outriders on PS5. Outriders? Yes. And a healthy dose of Apex, from what I understand. Yes, a healthy dose of, dose of Apex. But that is kind of an assumed infliction for me now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think that's fair. I don't know, you seem to have moments, right? Sometimes I feel like I'm on and I'm like, oh, Chris is playing Apex. No surprise. But <laughs> what's more surprising is when I feel like I get on and like for every day for two weeks, I'm like, Chris isn't playing Apex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The biggest drop off I had was with Destiny when I just played. Far too much destiny. I think it was COVID brain because I recovered com- from COVID. Now I'm kind of like, eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't blame you, but I'm gonna tell you right now: if I've chased you down this rabbit hole for this platinum, and you leave me hanging, <laughs> and, and having to put another, having put another eighty to hundred hours into Destiny two. Wait, is Chris stopping? Wait, is Chris stopping to play Destiny? No, I'm. I still, don't know. I still have it installed. I just haven't turned it on in a while. That doesn't sound Don't let Chris things. betray you. Don't let Chris betray you. He's already betrayed me. Don't make the mistake that one of my friends has done in assuming that I'm going to continue playing Destiny at any point. 
No, I figured you'd just play until <laughs> we did a raid, though. Well, I he's have done raid. a raid. I've done a couple of raids. Yeah, he's he's done two of the most challenging raids. He hasn't done the... He, he didn't get to do Scourge, <laughs> which sucks, but you can do Deepstone Crypt, which is the new Surge, from what I understand. So Yeah, yeah. it's pretty quick. If only I could have yeah, so, done Deep Zone Crypt when I had. Hey, I haven't done Deep it. Crypt. So, well, yeah, deep- yeah, no, we had the same problem yesterday to this point where I was all game to do it, and yeah. then everybody stopped texting back, and I was like, I know Chris is just waiting, but it's not like he ever agreed to anything anyway. So, <laughs> hey, I'm just gonna I, to wait. be fair, I said I'm good for any time. You I did. Was You're on the it. only person. You were the I was only waiting person. On everybody. <laughs> well, I was so. at my dad's birthday celebration yesterday. We went. We played some laser tag to some bowling. So I saw I some bowling. Really I saw a good available. picture, man. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, what'd you what'd you bowl? Ooh, I bowled a one sixty nine, one seventy something, and then I think I broke a two hundred. I don't remember. Oof. All right, so I think that answers your question, Chris. When you come. You gotta you gotta pay to get your bowling ball down here, right? Yeah, you're probably right. That I way you can show me up because <laughs> I I bowl like a 140 to like a 160 if I'm really really feeling good, and I haven't bowled yeah. in a while, so that might not even be true now. My His dad, wife will bowl uh, better than all of us put together. She oh, used yeah. to at one point. Oh yeah, I wonder we, if she still will. Me and her are competing. I'm down. Well, see, she was on bowling team at school in high school. Oh. Um, she- but you know that when you haven't done bowling a whole lot in ten years past that, it's not like it really matters. True. <laughs> so, but she's still normally pretty good. Yeah, uh, my dad was like, "Oh, we're doing twenty bucks a game, right?" I'm like, "Okay, sure." Then I hit five strikes in a row, and he's like, uh, "So this is a practice game, right?" Like, nah, we're run me my money, bro. <laughs> yeah, see, that's exactly. It. And then you say, "Okay, Dad, listen, I will accept." gift cards for Longhorns. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a joke that will never die, Chris. I know that I, I have high hopes that you understand that I have hopes that you come down here mm. with at least one gift card. I will bring you one gift card from Longhorns. And I will tell your dad thank you. Uh-huh. Just because. Anyway, <laughs> cl- clearly you owe me nothing. I just, you know, I, I, I'm telling you, when you have COVID and you can't go anywhere, you start to know what's important to you. I've been wanting Longhorns all week, and I have. <laughs> I do, I'm just like, I can't wait to be out of quarantine because I'm like, I'm gonna go mess up an outlaw ribeye. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm so glad that my taste buds have not been affected at all. That you know, at least yet, I hope that they continue to not be. I figure it would be weird for me to suddenly be getting better and then be like, oh no, taste and no smell. But oh well. <laughs> Um, anyway, moving along. So those are your three. Um, yes. how are you feeling about Outriders now that you're giving it a real decent length to play? Uh, I, I like it. There's something about it, but it's also bad destiny. Like, it's just destiny. Ah. Worse. <laughs> so but you take a break from destiny to play destiny, but worse. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I like yeah. the, uh, I like the third person view for it. I think that's kind of the difference I needed. <laughs> And I have to find something to do while I'm waiting for Dying Light. Only yeah. 11 days. Well, you know, that was the thing about The Division, uh, The Division 1. The Division 2 just never clicked with me. The Division 1 I liked for a good 20, 30 hours. Um, and 
there was something about moving off of something like Destiny and trying to play a similar game but third person. I kind of like the extra field of view, but that was, I think, a, a console problem at the time, right? Because Destiny mm. 2 on console was real choked off. But on PS5, you get a better field of view even with first person, so it's not so weird. Um, but it is nice sometimes to have those types of games in third person. I always like in Destiny when you swap to a sword or something and you go third person. I yeah. kind of, at this point, don't see why they don't just give up the hog and for PVE activities, just let you choose if you want to play third or first. I get for PVP, it doesn't necessarily match up that way. But they'll probably there's an eternity do does that, doesn't it? Like like there's parts in there's of eternity like where I feel like you're in kind of like a third person mode all of a sudden. Not during combat. There are a couple parts in dares, like whenever you go to step on the plates to select your next door, whenever you're choosing the final gambit or the, you know, the final boss area to see if you guess right and get Star Horse's favor, it'll pull you out to third person so you can see which plate you're standing on correctly. Um, but it doesn't really happen in combat now. Huh. I wish it did. That would be really cool. One of the only ways that people have ever really been able to play the game in third person is with the snowball glitch where you pick up the snowball, throw it, and immediately start trying to shoot or whatever it was, and it would leave the reticule there, and you'd still be in third person from the snowball, and you could shoot. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, I saw what you've been up to, what you've been playing. I know you're back on Destiny as of this week, but you I, anything else? I am back on Destiny. Um, I have been kind of chipping away. Uh, it's one of those games that I won't mention, similar to Dragon Age. I mean, not Dragon Age, Dragon Quest, uh, but Persona 5. I'm still playing Persona 5. <laughs> Um, I am through the very first um, palace, which is at this point uncharted territories for me. So, um, but I did start up Yu Gi Oh Master Duel, uh, and I'm not too far into that though. Like, I got through like the main tutorial, yeah, I should say, and then like, there's this, there's this area like where you have like these, I don't know, like ten duels, and they can branch off to more tutorials, and I'm in the middle of that area. Mm. Yeah, the I haven't played it yet, uh, though I did tell Blaze, like I said, download and play it. And uh, I know Sean in the Discord is playing it as well. He um, he was talking about it. And one of the things I was worried about is I wondered how meta the decks that you're going to be going against were. And you got to get up to that point. So that's good. But what kind of struck me as odd is there's a lot of cards missing. It's like it's using a different ban list to a degree it feels like, or at least in the sense that there's cards that are just not in the game yet. Because I was like, hey, is Mystic Mine in the game? Just out of curiosity. I was like, because, you know, normally in those games, like the Switch one, there's that Mystic Mine Exodia deck you can go against and things like Ghost Tricks and stuff. And uh, it seems like some of those just aren't in the game yet, which is weird, but I guess the game was shadow dropped. So maybe it's not that weird. Well, and not only that, though, but um, Sean was talking about, you know, like how Mystic Mine was banned. And at first I thought I was talking about the real game. And I was like, what? So like, yeah, I couldn't even they, find where that happened. And I was like, well, I don't know what he's talking about. And then I realized that it is banned, but it's banned in the game. So it, yeah, it has but, its own ban list. Yeah, which is weird because I thought the whole point of that was to be a, you know an active dual simulator, basically. But I mean, it, it is what it is. Those games often work off of older, outdated ban lists. So it's weird that this one's launching with a completely separate ban list. But Eh, you know, it's just weird because it makes people like I figure for people who still like to play it in person a lot or through any of the other computer means that are kept up with a normal ban list. It would be weird to play Master Duel and then go and try and play normal because you might get mixed up on what you are and are not allowed to use. Yeah, I kind of do wish, though, that like it was exactly mirrored to the card game. Yeah, I mean, I agree. 
it's just it, it it's weird because a part of me wants to download it in case it ever gets in line and like maybe this is literally just a stopgap measure while they while they shadow dropped it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, to be honest, I kind of just like playing in person. I don't really know that yeah. I want to spend that much time. Like, I love Yu-Gi-Oh! and it's fun, but a lot of the fun is the the social nature around it. So, Yeah, the whole reason for me to even play it like that or to, to put time into it would be the similar to um, to playing... Uh, what was that app called that we used for a while there? Dawn of a New Era. Yeah, Dawn of a New Era, just to play test stuff or to have stuff in real life or that I could afford or wanted to afford in real life. Like, I'm not spending $400 on this Thunder Dragons deck I want to build, but I'll use it on Dawn of a New Era or I'll play it on there. Yeah, getting to try out like your your Metaphys deck. Yeah, before, before I get to buy it. Yeah. Buy it. So yeah. that, I think that has value there. But for a full game, I don't know. It's interesting. But if this does like truly become an esports style thing, then maybe, you know, us already having yeah, skill in Yu Gi Oh! might end up paying off. So there's always that kind might. of aspect. It might. But the, you know, it's, as is, the memes have been going on, you know, Yu Gi Oh! so fast that people are like, people getting into Master Duel who haven't played Yu Gi Oh! in a while. And it's like, all right, guys, here we are. I'm summoning a blue eyes white dragon on my first turn. Look how awesome I am. Okay, I'm going to synchro summon this over. I'm going to use this bell to actually use your material. I'm going to go yeah. through. I'm going to link summon this dude. And then bam, 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 I'm four monsters deep. And here goes basically a negate, and your turn's over and you're dead. Yeah. And. The real meta of that game can kind of get like that. So, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, I have been playing anything else or is it just us? That's, that's been pretty much it. Okay, cool. I've been pretty much Destiny and Halo. Attrition, the new game mode I was telling you about. Quite fun. Yeah. Um, Chris, hopefully you get your computer back in time to at least try <laughs> it because I think you might like it. I uh, would like to get that back. Have you try. looked into what it is? No, I haven't even looked at okay. Halo. Okay, so... I think you might be into it. I mean, I I think it's a pretty cool mix. Whenever I explain it to Saul, he's like, that's cool. Uh, Each team has got a respawn pool of eight respawns. And when you start, every time someone dies, that goes down until there's no more respawns. And then it leaves a little floating orb around, much like in Destiny. And if if your enemies or your uh, teammates, rather, can get to you, they can revive you. And basically the plan is to just kill the other team, exhaust them of their respawns, and then keep them from reviving the people who are already down until you completely beat them but if it goes on for a little too long what's called the danger zone starts coming around the ramp, around the map and it's basically uh, a battle royale bubble that starts closing down and choking you off into a small section of the map so that it gets real hectic depending on how many people are still alive that does sound and really cool it's pretty wild because you can completely demolish a team of respawns but then slack up and not realize that they can go pop off and pull all the revives and they and they can revive their entire team come back and slaughter you and it's pretty fun. Uh, it's got visually, I like the event that's with it, but everything bothers me a little bit because it's like a it's like a eighties cyberpunk neon style thing where you have like a floating neon hologram mohawk and like a <laughs> visor. But everything is kind of designed in this off way where there's this little floating visor, but it's off center and slightly crooked, and it infuriates me to look at. But it's still pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you get attrition. I think there's eight more days or nine more days of the event going on right now. Um, it's quite fun. I like it a lot. So the unfortunate thing that Halo has to deal with here is always that the, they come out with these fun game modes with events. And then what do they do? 
Are people going to be like, hey, we like that game mode more in permanent, or is it always going to be like, well, it's going to go away until we decide to come back with it with some new battle pass stuff? Yeah, I think, I and, think that I don't unfortunately know. this is going to be like seasonal stuff. I kind of wish it wasn't like that. I mean, I get it because it gives you pockets of feeling like you should be playing the game because you literally could miss something. But some people don't love that idea of like FOMO in a game, right? But if you're doing a game as a service, I don't really know how you do it adequately without making it to where people do feel a need to come to it. Because if they don't, you do miss out on this time of the game. And you, you know, there's something. I'm glad I got to play this. And at first, I was like, ah, I'll probably play it. But it started hitting as soon as I was getting COVID, so I didn't know how I felt. Um, and then when I started feeling a little bit better, I got on and played with Blaze for a little bit. And I think it's one of the cooler game modes and goes to show how there's still a little bit of interesting ideas of things to mix and match up in the shooter genre to do something new, uh, even if you want to call it the danger zone. But it's a, when you play certain maps and you see how it ends up choking you down, like y'all know the the desert map with vehicles that has like the two uh, towers on each side and then there's the underbridge that normally has the uh, cloak on it and yeah. the upper see-through bridge. Um the danger zone in that one, I think it may change every time, but it's I'm not entirely sure. But one one time I was playing in there, the danger zone started to close out, and it choked the whole map down to the underbridge. It was literally just big enough for a dude to jump from the ledge to the bridge and then just fight everything out there. And there were like three dudes alive and just smacking each that, other down until suddenly there was sick. a winner. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, and then lastly, because at first I was kind of getting tired of, I was getting tired of Halo because. They fixed, they fixed a big team battle issue, right? Or they, they claimed to. They, they put out a hot fix that was supposed to fix big team battle matchmaking issues. Well, guess what? It ain't it fixed. <laughs> and work. instead, it seems to have spread to other game modes because multiple times oh, no. there's like packet loss issues on certain game modes. Not just rampant, but it's there. And certain game modes are starting to do the same thing where it'll pretend like you're starting to matchmake and then it'll say, uh, we can't connect and then can't connect. And it'll just, you'll get cut in this loop where you can't get out without like exiting the game or crashing the game. Um, there's that. And then I don't know if this was on purpose, if this was like done shadowly behind, you know, to try and do something or if it was a, an impact of this hotfix. I don't know how it would be. But the assault rifle feels like it's been rebalanced, which is weird because I didn't think the assault rifle was really OP by any standard. But I have full on emptied full clips into people. And you're either dealing with two things. You're either dealing with the fact that this hotfix has made server latency such an issue that on your screen you're hitting every single time, but on their screen you're not. Or they've adjusted how the auto rifle works. And if they actually have adjusted the auto rifle's damage, it's like relearning the whole game. But it's still unclear to me how that actually goes because there's still a lot of server issues that are happening as a result of the hotfix. So it's a weird time to be playing Halo, but it still has its moments of glory and fun. But I got tired of that, so I went and played RuneScape. <laughs> and I had a great time. The oh, classics. dude, it's I haven't played RuneScape on my new computer using the thing. I'm normally playing on my phone or like, you know, wherever I can easily get to it. I haven't been playing it much lately, but I play every now and then. Uh, but I got on my computer finally and downloaded this RuneLite thing and the, the HD texture mod pack that someone put out. And they've been updating that. So I saw the other day uh, that there was extreme settings for everything. And I was like, let's see what this bad boy looks. I have everything maxed out and it looks so interesting because it's like a really smooth, clean looking game now. And I have extreme shadow quality and extreme draw distance. 
And it's so weird seeing a game from like 2003 look like this, but still also look like a game from 2003. (laughs) It looks like like somebody just, I mean, it's exactly what it is. It looks like someone just remastered a game, but just like, we're going to do everything we can. And it's pretty cool. The guy's going through and putting like, uh, there's a winter theme, so you can click it and all the snow, all the ground will be covered in snow and stuff. So I've had a good time. I did Legends Quest for anybody who's a big RuneScape fan. I, I never actually did Legends Quest all the way through on my original character. So whenever Old School popped up and you had to restart anyway, I was like, I'm going to start trying to knock out some quests. It, it goes back to showing um, how I've kind of talked about, there's just something about this game's use of like point and click games, kind of like what we did with like a day of the tentacle crisp when you, mm-hmm. you went through that. I know. Uh, but there's like that weird thinking to where if you don't follow a guide, the game is just really fun to let your mind think of how you might fix a problem. So like one problem in the thing is there's a little babbling brook uh, and there's rocks all in it and you can't fit this bowl that you have to make. You have to make a gold bowl so that the water retains its blessing. Um, and you can't, the bowl's too big to fit in there. And so you're just sitting there, you're like, what do I do? And you have to have machetes in order to cut down, you know, trees, trees and stuff to get through the, the desert or the, the jungle rather. And, um, right beside the babbling brook, there's little cattails, uh, or whatever they're called. They're little hollow stem things. Anyway, you just see them. You can't enter. You can search them and, and they give you a description, but you actually have to think about it and use your knife on the little reed and then use the reed on the bowl to fill the bowl up from the babbling brook. And it's just a fun way to be like, Oh yeah, most games beat you over the head with now cut the babbling or cut the reed, use the reed in the babbling brook. And it's nice that the game kind of just throws you in and says, do it. Now you can look at guides for all this, but kind of ruins fun. So, but I had a good time with that. Might be, might accidentally be getting myself into a runescape uh, fold. And if so, I'm going to end up like Chris and playing less Destiny and more Runescape. Probably not, though. I'm trying to control myself. Uh, anyway, get this show kind of moving on. We are going to talk a little bit uh, about some catch-up on the news before we get into the obvious big thing like we talked about with the Activision Blizzard King buyout from Microsoft. But the first thing on the news... Um, you know what? Hold on. Let me back up real quick. Before we go into the news, we always take a second to thank you guys who listen to the show uh, and remind you that if you want to interact with us, usually there is a communities tech section, but in my brain fog, I completely forgot to post anything of it um, until this morning when I realized, hey, I guess I'm going to record. I'm feeling okay. Um, and didn't have it. So if you want to do that, you can go over to uh, Twitter at TriangleSQRD and find us there. You can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Ask to be entered into there. We will gladly accept you. And then there is always, of course, a Discord, which is linked in the description below. We've had a lot of people join recently, like Stingray X and Lord Corgi. Uh, thank you guys for coming in and communicating with us. It's fun. Uh, sorry I've been a little out of it lately. Just... uh doing what I can to check in and tell you guys I'm doing better, but I'll be back on there pretty soon since I'm feeling quite a bit better. Uh, But anyway, the first thing up, PlayStation has come back around with its yearly wrap-up for those who like to see their in-game, their previous year of gaming. The wrap-up will be available now through February 20th and will let users see their most played games, how many trophies they've earned, total hours played this year, and more. While offering, but while offering all who access it a code to download four free avatars, uh, which seems to be 
the new yearly thing. The easiest way to access it is to head over to the PS blog and click through the article to find the direct link. Now, sadly, I can't give y'all any insight here. I would have loved to. I really intended to. I can't get mine to load. Been trying all week. Saul's in the same boat. So Chris, I, I tried mine right before the show. Yes, mine works. Take it away. I tried. I tried mine too, but I just I don't know what to do. All right, I guess I'll just read the whole thing. I played for one thousand nine hundred and eleven hours last year. Um, most of that was on PS4 titles. Let's see. I played one hundred and eighty-five games last year. That's neat. So my top five games were Apex Legends at three hundred and ten hours. MLB The Show at 195, Mass Effect Legendary at 102, Death Stranding at 81, and Hades at 80. Oh, God, yeah. I earned 1,710 new trophies, 33 Platinums, 231 Gold, 318 Silver, 1,128 Bronze. Now, back up, Chris. Yes, sir. Because I I noticed this. You said this the other day. How many trophies did you earn last year? Was it 32? I mean, Platinums. No, 30, I think. 30 and mm-hmm. i got 32 i think i was able to sneak yeah. those two past you i'm still mad about it but yeah <laughs> i know you are but that's just called strategy i uh, can't even be mad yeah i mean it's pretty genius play on my book it i gotta good. say it I, I knew exactly I what down, i was because i was so far ahead and then you, you were so far ahead of me yes played a bunch of baby and then, games and won. <laughs> uh that's not exactly what happened but okay all right uh, no, I'm proud of you for earning more this year because I'm not going to lie. I didn't earn hardly. I mean, I, I know I earned platinum this year. I don't know how many. Um, I, if I had to guess, I'd say I maybe earned 10 to 12. Yeah. Um, I didn't care that much this year. I think after last year, my brain was just like, bro, whatever. And all the games I wanted the platinum, like near, I was mentioning on there, all these years later, and a joke that I know doesn't land anywhere for you because you weren't listening to the show yet. Uh, and you definitely weren't part of it. Uh, but. I'm, I'm known around these parts as no near plat Beck or Brett. <laughs> uh, and the reason being is because I, I always talk about how much I love the original near, but I didn't have the platinum because the game is a pain in the butts platinum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you know, with uh, replicant, I got to where I'm at the last trophy upgrading all the weapons and you just have to grind for these materials that I just don't care. It's so boring and I love the game and even the new version is a little more fun to play with more refined combat, but it's still just like, I don't feel like doing that. And, um, so that's one of them. And there's just a couple, you know, destiny still eludes me. And here I am trying to get that platinum once again, it'll happen for both of us. I think we got exactly a month. No, we have a month. We have less than a month right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to get up at least 20 light levels. No, hold yeah. on. We gotta, get, we gotta get 1245, right? Yeah. 1245. I need 10 levels. Oh, Oh, got to be honest. Once okay. Dying Light Two comes out, I'm going to be spending 500 hours with that game. Apparently, so I don't know if I have the time. <laughs> 500 hours is too long, Chris. <laughs> Wrong. Um, what a what a what a weird PR nightmare that ended up becoming. It was ridiculous but, and overblown by everyone. <laughs> I think so too, mainly because. If you read that and it wasn't clear that like the the game doesn't require you to play for five hundred hours yeah. to just beat it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I was a little surprised that I earned more platinum this year because I felt like I hadn't earned very many at all. 
but you were front heavy this year. You did a lot at the beginning, and then you've just kind of consistently had at least one to two a month. Yeah, and I, I really haven't. I think that's the thing for me. I, I was a little. I, I took a big break at first, then mm-hmm. I came back a little strong, and then it just kind of waned off. Yeah, uh, are we doing another? Saul, uh, did you get a single platinum at all this year? I know you don't normally go for platinum, so just I know every now and then it just happens for you. No, I think let me see. Well, I was gonna say my PlayStation. Well, if the PlayStation wrap up would show, we'd all know. (laughs) Where's my PlayStation controller? My PlayStation's on, but Netflix just got an auto playing in the background. I don't know where my controller went. I was gonna say I could check. I'll just check on my phone. I don't think I did. I think the last platinum I got was coincidentally Destiny. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it couldn't have been Destiny. That was way too long I don't, ago. I, I think you've gotten at least one since then, but I don't think it'd be much more than one. Chris, I, I think I told you, he got the he got the one in Destiny 2 the day or the, I think it was the day before they patched out the ability to get it with the prestige nightfall that they had at, the, at launch. No, no, I went on to do it the next day. It was day way before that. Done. Oh, you had it before? I know me and you were trying, and then you randomly got on and did it with Joe or something. I can't remember who do, who you did it with. No, it was yeah, I don't remember how to do it with either. But it, I think it was Joe Gavin because it was I'm back so, on PlayStation so Four. Yeah, this was back when all you had to do was Prestige Nightfall before they patched them out of the game. Never to return until suddenly they thought, "Hey, let's Grandmaster Nightfalls. <laughs> let's make it harder, harder than any raid level requirement in the game." <laughs> but that is what it is. is that, yeah, it's unfortunate showing. that this isn't working for everybody because um, I would have liked to have seen mine. It's something that's nice to kind of get a feel, though I have heard from a few people, including in the Discord and just general, um, excuse me, <coughs> general chat amongst um, Twitter and the Twitter sphere that it's kind of been accurate, uh, definitely with things like online time. Uh, yeah, one of the people in our Discord was like, "It says I've been online for zero hours, but it also says I played Final Fantasy fourteen online for like four hundred hours." Which <laughs> out of those two things line up? It did that to me last so. year, where it said I spent five hundred hours in Dark Souls three and like eleven hundred hours in Final Fantasy fourteen, but it said total t- total time spent online was seven hundred hours. I'm like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, two completely online games. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, so. I think te- by technicality. The funny part about this is, is that so I do have Destiny 2's Platinum, but I have it twice because of the way it works. I want a PS5. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. But I think Your Hellblade. Is that it was Destiny. Yeah. I think Hellblade was my last one, actually. Nice. I got to do Hellblade. I saw you downloaded it. I did download it, yes. Yeah. Be interesting to see. My have you played Hellblade at all, Chris? Uh, yeah, I started it. Um, I liked it. I just don't really like sitting with headphones and playing games. So um, it was not a selling point for me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's weird because it's one of the only games that I would actually like really die on the hill that you should play with headphones. Like, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. But it's a game that I think, weirdly enough, does actually make it better to play with headphones. And normally, if I can avoid putting headphones on to play anything, I will. I don't want to. That's why it's been so weird at this weird social gaming stint that I've been on. I've been playing games with headphones almost exclusively. Did the um, PS5 patch come out for Apex? Speaking of social games? No. Okay. It'll come out with the next season, probably. When will that be? So it's 
It's soon. Uh, I think this season ends in like 19 days. So the new season for Apex comes out roughly around the same time as the new season for Destiny and Elden Ring. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Mm. A competitive month. I can't wait to completely <laughs> no, drop Apex on PS5 and play it on. No, yeah. Saul, Saul's like no competition. Elden Ring. Elden Ring. And then some Destiny. Take a break from Elden Ring. That's how it's going to go. I honestly might play Elden Ring only because I want this year to be a bunch of really difficult Platinums in my uh, in my arsenal. So that might be one that I just throw in. <laughs> I'm debating going yeah. back to like Sekiro and that kind of stuff. So. You know, I, I thought about it because I'm not that. I mean, I ran like in like two hours. I got like half the trophies in the game. But I thought in about Sekiro? going back to Mortal Shell and getting PS5, uh, PS5 flat for um, Mortal Shell. Do it. Wow, dude. I've, I've been heavily thinking about it, but it's just one of those things, too, where I'm like, do I really want to go through the, the stress of the no shell run? <laughs> There's just something about that that's just. It's like yeah, doing the, the no roll run in Titan Souls. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's well, rough. Like, that's really hard. Shout out Blake is is finishing Stardew Valley, which is one that's eluded me forever. So I might go back to that because I can't let him get it and not get it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about downloading that on my Vita and just playing it on Vita. Because the other the, the other side to Vita is I don't think that the, that version's been updated, so it's probably way easier to get the platinum. Um, yeah, but then you still have the hard uh, Prairie Prairie King stuff, so. It's harder sure. now, or back then. Uh, why did they get rid of that in the uh, Apparently, Rings? according to Blake, you can save scum it a little bit. So, oh, that's unfortunate. Yes, it is. I don't. That's always weird to me. Is when you make a trophy list and you make it just vague enough that it continues to get harder and harder. Like that sucked about Terraria. It's like collect all pets. Okay, there's seven pets in the first version of the game, and then if you play Terraria now, it's like there's eighty-seven pets. How, <laughs> That seems unfair. Yeah, it seems <laughs> you know? ridiculous. Like No Man's Sky is the same way. You can get the platinum for No Man's Sky, and with if you have the disc for No Man's Sky, you get the platinum for No Man's Sky in like twenty hours. Mm. If you have the updated version of of this game, you're done. You're yeah. just done. It ain't happening. I came close yeah, sucks. at launch, and I never did it. But whatever. yeah, well, is what it is. You know, No Man's Sky. Right, moving on from that. The rest is kind of just housekeeping for anybody who has, uh, you know, who hadn't been keeping their ear to the ground. Kingdom Hearts fans are in for a mini concert, chat, and Q&A with the development team, and quote much more. As part of the series' 20th anniversary event, which is kicking off April 10th in Tokyo, whether we get teased for the next entry is really the big mystery here, uh, but a video of the event will be posted at a later date according to the series' Twitter, which makes me think that there's probably not a reveal unless the reveal is something that they do and then go ahead and announce and release worldwide, and then the actual event with the concert and everything gets released as its own little uh, event video that you can watch for people who just really want to go that extra mile. Um I don't know. It's been four years or three years. It was Kingdom Hearts 2018. I feel like it was. I think it was, yeah. Let's find out. Kingdom Hearts 3. 2019. It was really early 2019. That's why it kind of felt like 2018. So let's see. January of 2019. So we're coming three years in right now. 
not impossible for them to start showing us. And definitely if they are doing what they're talking about and wanting to turn around and make more Kingdom Hearts quicker. Um, we'll see. I'm really curious to see how things go after the ending of the Remind DLC, which does lead to the thing of it's unfortunate when games like Prince of Persia on uh, you know Picture Persia 2008 lean on DLC to really give you an ending that sets something up more. But I'll give Kingdom Hearts 3 this. Day one game ends the series fine it, it or ends its arc uh but it's weird that you have to buy dlc just to get this extra little thing that they want to do that has imp- big implications for the next one but i guess that's kind of how they've always been when um we used to get the they'd get final cut over there and then eventually we'd get final cut and there's little weird story things that kind of add a lot of implications so is what it is uh there's that uh, despite talk of PSVR 2 on the table recently, Sony have put out a new trailer showcasing all the VR action you can enjoy on their uh, current PSVR in the coming months, like Moss Book 2, Zenith, The la- uh, the Last City, and Wanderer, while hammering home that it is compatible on PS5. And I'm glad that the little quick read down there says you still got to get that little dongle thing from them. <laughs> um, this is like the first real big push I've seen from Sony on VR so I don't know if they were kind of real, like, uh, well, you know, PSVR being playable on PS5. It seems like PS5 has been such the focus that you get the little PSVR nuggets during things like State of Play. But that's about it. So I'm not really excited enough for any of these for them to be playing on the PSVR. So it leaves in a weird spot. But if you've got the PSVR and you still like to play it and go through the somewhat of a hassle of hooking it up, then good. You got some, yeah, some good games coming. Moss, um, the first Moss was excellent, so book two will probably be very, very good. Um, oh, good. The, the trophy for... I should have the Platinum for Moss, and uh, I wonder if uh, Matt ever got it as well. One of the other guys was trying and trying and trying, and the final boss, you got to not fall off the stage at all, and it's just a, a nightmare. Anyway... Uh, let's see. Couple more things. Uh, after a series of delays, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker, uh, Skywalker Saga is finally confirmed for release date. The game will be forcing its way onto consoles on April fifth. A uh, little pun. Another one of Sony's China Hero Projects titles is nearing release with Anno Mutationum, a two point five D side-scrolling action game with a cyberpunk aesthetic, going gold and aiming to release soon. No date has been given yet, but as we've been talking about with how busy February is, I imagine that they are going to wait and give the title room to breathe uh, with it being new. The last, as far as I know, the last Sony China hero project title that released was fist and fist was good. And it seemed to do pretty well and make money. Um, so have you guys seen this game at all? No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, Chris, I think you might be muted. No, I have not. Yeah. It, it looks pretty cool. It's like, a. It looks like everything's kind of in this, like it's a 2.5 3D thing, but then it still has like this pixelation to it, which gives it a real interesting look from a cyberpunk aesthetic. Because like every the environments are kind of smooth, but it's like the characters have this like rolling pixel um, shutter on them a little bit, and it gives them a real interesting look. And the uh, the enemies kind of have that too, but it's all side scrollers. So I don't know. Be interesting to see uh, the the big Sony China Hero Project game that I think everyone's still waiting on is. Uh, lost soul aside uh, and it's like we keep getting we got that big dump of info and big gameplay thing and then still nothing also i, I see that chris mm-hmm. i see i see that sekiro <laughs> are you finally going to become the parry master 
uh, very doubtful, but I'm going to try again. <laughs> Actually, pairing in Sekiro is so much easier than Dark Souls. <laughs> or not even pairing, but the, whatever it is in that game. that's uh, Maybe it is pairing. It is. Yeah, it's pairing. And I'd say it is easier than it is in Dark Souls, but it's more necessary than it is in Dark Souls. Oh, it absolutely you can play is. The in, you can play the entirety of Dark Souls without ever having to parry. And in this game, you're not going to make it if you don't parry. Yeah, you have to parry. Yeah, it's it's really it's a hard retraining of yourself if you've been diehard Dark Souls and Bloodborne, you know, where you don't have to worry about those things so much. Though I think I think Bloodborne gives quite a good a reason to want to parry people or to mm-hmm. at least want to do these stagger attacks. Shoot them in can, the head, uh, dude. You can you can mess up Father Gaswan if you can just get his rhythm right and keep doing those big, cl- you know, the the claw attacks to him and Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to play through that game. Um, all right, let's see. Last thing up uh, on the news before we talk about the big thing is PlayStation has highlighted a selection of games coming this year to be excited for. And among the 22 for 22 are expected games such as Elden Ring, Horizon, Dying Light 2, Gran Turismo 7, you name it. It's this year. It's on there. But also what was curious is God of War Ragnarok. Whether this would truly act as like a confirmation for the game uh, to be either internally projected this year or, more importantly, if it actually releases this year, remains to be seen. But it's an interesting find and does give room for potential hope for fans who are wanting to play sooner rather than later. Uh, I think whenever the kind of delay happened from 21 to 22 and then that statement from chris judge i think a lot of people started thinking well we're not gonna play this till 23 i don't think there was any real reason in that given but i think everybody's just so brought up and uh, disillusioned with the way game development and delays are happening with covid that it, it was safer to just be like ah let's just assume it's 2023 and be excited if it's any earlier yeah um so it, it's weird. I mean, I think it might be a good time because I think if they kind of lean into this year where God of War PC is doing really well, they might manage to get some people to be excited and try and jump on the PS5 or PS4 version of Ragnarok. Though I have to say it'd be kind of hard to want to, for someone to get excited and jump onto PS4 Ragnarok because I have a feeling that I might be wrong, but I have a feeling PC God of War probably looks better than God of War Ragnarok will look like on PS4. If I'm just being honest. So, I mean, if nothing else, from a sheer resolution standpoint, but things like draw distance and LOD pop in, I think those are things that once, if you started playing on computer, it's going to be hard to want to move back to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll see. Um, All right. That's that's all of that. Um, I guess the big thing now to talk about is, of course, the 68.7 billion dollar transaction that is aspiring between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard King for all of their seminal IP that everyone knows, like King's Quest, Hexen, you know, Gun, Classic, you know, Guitar Hero. That's where this money's going, buddy. That's where it's going. People are in here for the DJ Hero. DJ Hero will be the next big Xbox Game Pass game. I just want y'all to know. Uh, We have... Uh, Caesar, Candy Crush will probably be making its way to console soon. Uh, Blur, 
I actually wanted to stop for a second. Blur is a pretty cool game. I don't know if you ever played it. It was a PS3 racing game. Blur rocks. Uh, there was a lot of yeah, dude. Split Second was also awesome from Disney. Wasn't there was a Split lot of Second's really great. cool PS3 racing games. Split Second um, was the one where you were like making a movie and you could do like press A and the bridge will collapse as you're running through it, kind of thing, right? Yeah, if I remember yes. right. If and if not, we're both we're both remembering that thing wrong. <laughs> you know. I mean, if it's not Split Second, it's Blur. So <laughs> hold on. I think that hold on. Split second game. I think split second might have been the one where, yeah, no, we're right. Yeah, it's set within a reality TV show, yeah, and but. you could, yeah, you could do all that, and then you had to use your little things. Again, PS3 had a ton of good racing games. Um, unfortunately, I don't feel like there's nearly as many racers now. Uh, Not good ones. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, right. There's still plenty Dodgers. of them coming out. I really still need to play. Um, because I've, I've still heard good things. I need to play Hot Wheels. I know I want to play it for two. Yeah. Um, Feel free to pick. I guess it up. I'm just gonna. Have to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Thanks, bud. Let me let me let me get on that way. From what I understand, you got uh, you got points out your Wahoo. To be fair, I have significantly more points than what you <laughs> sent me, so that's not have, really a fair. I do, and I spent them all on Dying Light Deluxe Edition. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, rough times. But you know what? I'm happy for you. Me too. Um, I'm very excited. All right. So looking at this on a more realistic thing, um, we're going to talk about it at large, but I guess real quick, mm-hmm. for anybody who's been living under a rock, which I think is very unlikely, I want to get two things out of the way. I'm aware that this is probably something you've heard people talk about ad nauseum, and there is a high chance that us talking about this is going to be something that some of you are just don't want to hear because we're too late to the game. And I appreciate that and understand that. And if you want to turn off and go on and do your own thing, that's great. If you want to hear our thoughts on it, happy to give them to you. Um, it's, you know, we're just in a position where, to be honest, we didn't even have the internal discussion about this because it happened. Uh, there was enough COVID stuff kind of reeling around us and enough work stuff. And we all have real jobs that we have to stay with and don't get to do this full time. So there was not really even an internal discussion about doing an impromptu episode about this. And nor do I think any of us really felt the need to do so. Uh, There's enough talk about it. Now we did hear a few of you say, we're excited to hear what you guys have to say on this and hear y'all's perspective. So that's what we're doing. So for those of you who stick around, great. What happened, of course, as everybody should know at this point, Microsoft announced on the 18th of January that they are moving to acquire Activision Blizzard, like we said, for $68.7 billion, making this the biggest purchase in gaming history uh, of the industry of the business, you know, the, the business industry, whatever, the history of the business. Sorry, still a little <laughs> brain dead here. A little covid um, Got that sickness. Um, so there's a there's a there's a couple interesting things here that I'll kind of read because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, Microsoft will acquire Activision Blizzard for ninety five dollars per share in an all cash transaction valued at sixty eight point seven billion, inclusive of Activision Blizzard's net cash. When the transaction closes, Microsoft will become the world's third largest gaming company by revenue, behind Tencent. And Sony, um, the, so that's pretty interesting. Sony, king of the crop. I'm really surprised by this that Tencent is not over Sony, just because of how many hands they have in the in the ditch, uh, as I'm going to call it. But it is very interesting that even with such a big pull together, 
with a company like Activision, who we know is a big revenue earner for gaming, um, that with Microsoft and them and Bethesda's money and everything rolled in with all this new Microsoft, they are still coming in third. You thought they would have just hopped over someone in here. Which, I mean, they clearly hopped over people, but it's very interesting uh, to see how that goes off. Of course, there's plenty of IP that come along with this, like Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, Call of Duty, Candy Crush, all those things. Uh, and of course, affords them nearly 10,000 employees. Um, though there is fear of layoffs once this does end. So we'll see. Uh, I think that's probably a good place to stop and kind of check in with you guys when this happened, because I know it happened really out of the blue. So it's not like anybody was prepared for it or, you know, really thinking and talking around. Saul, what was your immediate reaction when you saw it? You know, I wasn't shocked like I was with Bethesda. I think Bethesda shocked everybody. Um, yeah. I think because, um, you know, of the, just of how shocking that was, um, that I wasn't, I didn't really care about this one that much, mainly because nothing from Activision or Blizzard or anything really strikes me. Um, I guess technically I have an Xbox, so nothing really, it doesn't affect me anyways. But at the same time, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing I saw was people saying, oh, well, this is a monopoly and stuff like that. And, you know, I definitely disagreed to that. Um, you know, as we just yeah. heard with the, with, the, with the way that the revenue is done is that they're still behind Sony. Um, and, you know, I was more... I was more kind of shocked or more just kind of surprised that as I thought about it, what IPs were now on like officially Xbox IPs like Crash Bandicoot or like Spyro that kind of blew my mind. But other than that, the actual news of the acquisition wasn't really surprising to me. Um, I guess surprising is a bad word because I think it is a surprise. Nobody did expect this, but I think it wasn't as shocking to me as the Bethesda announcement was. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things that's like, yeah, like I, I play Call of Duty when Call of Duty games are good. And I, I've played Overwatch and I played Diablo. And, you know, I I can hope that uh, Microsoft cleans out the scummy company that's Activision, but um or parts of the act the company that are scummy. But other than that, yeah, I was more so just kind of shocked at the IPs that that, that were now Microsoft's when you really kind thought of about the it. aftermath. Yeah. yeah so I think I think I kind of get where you're coming. So you're saying that, be, and of course you can correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're saying that the weird nature of buying a publisher wholesale like they did with uh, Zenimax and then therefore getting Bethesda. Um, do you think that that being the first action kind of set the thing where? That gave you that, oh, God, they bought, like somebody bought an entire publisher, and then so it just didn't have the same impact this time around? Or is it strictly because of your relationship with each one of those companies? Like you had more interest in the Bethesda games and Zenimax games than you necessarily do the Activision games uh, for it to feel like anything. And like you said, you have an Xbox, so there's no loss more yeah. so than maybe it's a loss on where you might prefer to play them. Uh, but I think I kind of agree with you in the sense of like, but the Bethesda thing had this hit 
of like I've never heard of a game hardware manufacturer buying out an entire publisher and very rarely does a publisher of that size get bought out by anyone. So when you look at uh, when you look at something like Zenimax that was already shocking and Activision still has the the shock I think comes from the value of the deal. And then, like you said, this, the turnaround surprise shock of like, oh, there's a lot of IP that people don't think about because Activision hasn't cared about for a long time that they're going to get as a part of this. Like, what is the real chances that we could get, um, you know, a new Guitar Hero? What are the new chances that someone cares about making Crash Bandicoot again after 4 was pretty beloved? Yeah. What are the chances that someone wants to come back and put Raven off of Call of Duty and be like, did you guys like making Singularity? Let's make a spiritual successor to Singularity or something like that. Um, that was kind of like the big interesting thing. So Chris, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I mean, what was your kind of point blank reaction on a personal level, kind of like Saul was? And then we'll kind of talk about more of the business level because there are potentially big business ramifications here. Uh, but I'm kind of looking more for your personal feel. I don't know. I think it was an, It was one of those things where I just went, oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, I much think the we, same. Were, we were all, I think everyone was expecting Microsoft to keep doing this, and I yeah. think this was probably the least annoying company they could have bought for me in my life. <laughs> you know, had they bought Sega and then Persona Six as Xbox exclusive, I would have been pissed. Or Ubisoft or EA, and then titanfall against master chief skins or whatever not titanfall but apex um you know those would have all affected me more this was kind of like yeah i guess i'll continue to play call of duty on pc you know what i mean like (laughs) there was really not too much for me here um i think this like i said for me this was more of like the future of the industry stuff and uh made me feel a lot better about my prediction of game pass on ps5 so yeah, and I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, I know Chris sees this as a feather in the cap to his thing. And I've never completely disagreed with you as we've talked for a lot. I don't, I think a lot of people have this <laughs> idea that the, I, that the move, the real move behind Game Pass is to eventually permeate into everything that it can. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like such low hanging fruit and obvious moves to make uh, that I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Um, so, kind of moving off of that. Um, it's going to keep playing Call of Duty on PC. Um, <laughs> there's there's a couple of interesting things that we, we that have been stacked on top of this conversation, and one of them, as Saul kind of said, is this the shouting around of this being a monopoly. And I kind of want to get everybody's feel on that because I've seen a lot of people run with this, and I think that the thing that's getting lost here, at least as far as I kind of see it and how I feel about it, is that. People don't have a strong grasp on what a monopoly truly is. Um, and I think that they're throwing the word around. And when people, when they see people say it's not a monopoly in the real sense of the word, they think that they're being discounted and people are acting like this isn't still potentially a bad thing. And the reality is, is that consolidation at this level doesn't have to make something a monopoly so much as uh, it, it still rather let me back up it doesn't have to make it a monopoly but that doesn't mean it isn't an inherently bad thing or it can't end up being an inherently bad thing and i think more people even people who aren't agreeing that it's a monopoly are still erring on the side of this being a potentially 
rough thing for the industry. Do you think that's pretty fair for your guys' take on that, or do you all yeah. kind of feel differently? No, I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, I think that when you shout Monopoly, I think that that's when there's a real threat that another company could potentially end because of the ramifications of why you're shouting Monopoly. Or at least go and have such a hard time fiscally that they would have to start making emergency maneuvers that could then danger the company, not uh, not competitious move, moves, so that they're you know competing with this buy, because that's inevitably what's going to happen. They're going to compete with this buy in some form or fashion, or this news. It's kind of similar to how what did Phil Spencer say about. PS now the inevitability yeah that 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 he was talking about Spartacus and he said that moving toward a service like this is an inevitability and I think he even went on to say that he thinks it's an inevitability that they'll eventually go day one with their games to yeah, remain no, competitive no. but I can't remember if he actually said that no he did uh, but I, now, that's, that's not much like Chris I I I don't know if I want to say never but I. It, but I don't see it happening for a long time. No, but that's not even then, though. Even the speculation of that, him just saying sure. that is putting the ball mm-hmm. in Sony's court of like, wow. So now Phil Spencer's having, you know, he's being curious and having these kind of curious expectations of, are they going to make the same games, uh, games day in, day out, day one? And then you, so he's putting, he's planting a seed of that question. And people are now now Sony and so it's the balls in Sony's court to answer that question. It's the same as this buyout. They did this buyout, so now this may this may be great for them. This may not be great for them, but it's posing the question of like, well, what's Sony going to do now? It may not even be about yeah. what the actual result is for them. It's more of like, what are they going to do? And then, like we've talked about before, this kind of thought process, this kind of purchase breeds competition. It does not breed a monopoly. You know what? So, well, was was Call of Duty day one uh, co- like special content on PlayStation a monopoly? No, no, of course not. Yeah, it's it's this is we're gonna see the same kind of deals that we saw that Sony's had before with Destiny and Call of Duty, and wasn't it Crash Bandicoot at one point too? Coincidentally, or Sony. Yeah, didn't they have some kind of special deal with them for for Crash Four, or was it um, the Crash trilogy was a one year? Uh, yeah, so it's like uh, this is yeah. what like timed exclusive that benefited them, sure, but it didn't do cause any kind of detrimental blow to Microsoft. This is how this buyout's going to be. This is how Bethesda's buyout's going to be because the people who <laughs> purchase Sony games and Sony consoles they may play Call of Duty. Or crash games or spiral games supplementary like as supplements to like their normal gaming stuff, but that's not going to take sure. away the first party Sony games <laughs> that they bought the console for. So, Chris, I heard you. It seemed like you might have had a somewhat differing opinion on something you said. Well, I think not even to do a saw. I think if we're going to talk about Monopoly. We should probably define it, and it's the exclusive. That's, that's fair. The exclusive fair. possession or control of the supply. Uh, the supply of or trade in a commodity or service. So I would argue that this is not the same as an exclusive and this is significantly closer to a monopoly than we've ever seen than Bethesda was. 
I agree the, with that. I agree that this is a <clears throat> this is the closest move toward a monopoly. I agree with that. Not even to We're not disagree there yet, with Saul, but, but if Microsoft does take Call of Duty exclusive, that removes the biggest seller on their console year after year over year, which means mm-hmm. they lose how many billions of dollars? So that mm-hmm. is a detrimental blow to Sony that could yep. in a crazy future kill their company. Right. Well, it's a step it toward, right? It's a stab wound that how many how many stab wounds can they continue to actually inflict to Sony and how many of them actually go through and how many of them bounce off. And there's plenty of things that you know, I, I noticed that we keep having this conversation and it's going to everyone is of how does Sony respond, right? I think Saul, you were kind of getting at the fact that as a result of this and what everyone thinks here and, and everyone might be right and everyone might be wrong with what Sony chooses to do, but everyone kind of thinks that this puts pressure on Sony <clears throat> to copy or continue to reap the losses or just to of make a move. Microsoft going through. Yeah, right. Like the, the idea is to push Sony into making some kind of a move. Now, what do you think that really is and how much PR speak is labeled into some of these things? Because, you know, there's a tweet real quick that I want to read because Chris was talking about Call of Duty and I think it's really an odd timing and I put it in here because I wanted to be able to call it back. So, um, a few days after this happened, Phil Sp- and there was a remark from Sony's upper management that they didn't think Call of Duty uh, was going to go multi-platform and that they didn't feel like the Activision games they have um, agreements with and contractual agreements with, rather, um, were going to go exclusive. And Twitter, uh, Phil Spencer took to Twitter and he said, had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to, excuse me, honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard. And that's important to remember here is that this isn't done for probably at least another year, much like we saw with Bethesda, but continuing um, upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our part, our, our relationship. So a couple of things about this. The wording on this is so vague and just enough of a thing of where some people are like, why, some people are like, well, why would he say anything if he doesn't mean that he wants to keep the games on PlayStation? Well, it says our desire. Desire doesn't mean what you actually do. That's what he desires does. to Second have Game all, Pass on PlayStation. Exactly. And there's no talk about what keeping Play, uh, Call of Duty on PlayStation will require from PlayStation. There's, you know, there's no telling. Maybe it'll only stay on PlayStation. Maybe this is their way they strong arm uh, Xbox Live on the PlayStation, right? Because mm-hmm. if I'm not, you can tell me right now, and I could be wrong because I, I haven't played Minecraft in a long time. Um, when you play Minecraft on PlayStation now, do you have to log into your Xbox Live account? I have no idea. I have no idea either. I don't think you do. You I do played on the Switch. entirety. Yeah, I played the entirety of Minecraft, which this isn't necessarily the same thing, but I played the entirety of Minecraft Dungeons on PlayStation 4, uh, and I don't remember logging into Xbox Live at all. Um, so that, that was one of the things as to why X, or why PlayStation was very hesitant about doing all this cross-play stuff and cross-promotion and certain things, is that they didn't want Xbox Live or any other service, realistically, running on top of theirs and, and kind of 
potentially getting in the way of theirs. I think they wanted full control over their online system. And considering what happened to them with the hacks, I don't blame them for being very close to the chest. Uh, not that that's necessarily the reason, but I think that their ideology about around what happens on their network is very different as a result of the, the hack of 2011. Um, so with that said, though, um, that that tweet from Phil is interesting because it does kind of reek of like it's just loose enough. I don't really understand why he needed to come out and say it because people can look at it and go, well, yeah, he can't say anything too damning or too uh, too hit right now because the sale hasn't gone through. And if the sale doesn't go through, you don't want people having expectations built off of something that Phil said. Um, but at the same time, why say anything? Why not just continue to say, we bought the company. Uh, once the company is in our hands and we have control over these things, we will have discussions with the people who it matters and how it's going to impact the business moving forward and leave it at that. Uh, so it does seem like there's some, I don't want to say strong arming, but it does seem like there's some nudging at the very least on Microsoft's part that they're hinting at something. Uh, but where I was kind of getting at a second ago too, and looking at what Sony can do, right? There's multiple moves and everyone's immediate, uh, move that they think that they want to go to. Many of them we probably haven't even thought of, uh, is this idea of, okay, well, that means Sony's going to have to buy Square. Sony's going to have to buy from software. Sony's going to have to buy this and buy that. Uh, and it's really interesting seeing people's breadth of choices because some of them, it, it goes to show how much certain people like certain things. If you really had to look, like Chris, if you had to think, what do you think is a viable solution that you think is decently possible that Sony may go through as a response to this? Or do you think Sony's response is the non-response we got with Bethesda? Um, I'll, let me back up. I don't want to say non-response because Sony, since Bethesda and ZeniMax buyout, has bought Fire Sprite, Bluepoint, Housemark. Plenty of things. I don't want to act like they've done nothing, but they didn't do anything Division on the level. Everyone, Games, Haven. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought, whenever Bethesda happened, everyone thought that that was the, now Sony has to turn around and buy Square. And that didn't happen. So no. that's kind of more of what I mean. So do you, what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think Sony responds? And what is their response, if you had to guess? I'm sure they will, because this is a pressure, a big pressure move for them. But I also don't think that buying Square Enix is a good move. Like, what are you getting from Square Enix other than Final Fantasy? Realistically, Tomb Raider, yeah. which is dead, they don't have Hitman anymore. Like, you're getting a bunch of IP, sure, but are you getting teams mm-hmm. anywhere close to as valuable as what you got with, um, as what Microsoft got with Activision? You're getting. All you're doing when you're buying Square is getting Final Fantasy exclusive. And I'm sure I'm missing some. Please don't come at me and tell me what I'm missing, because I know I am. But I can't think of anything that Square is doing that is anywhere close to matching this. And then the thing when you're like, Sony should buy Square. Sony's already has a Final Fantasy exclusive. Well, not only that, they, they already have market majority in Final Fantasy. So like buying Square is not really going to do anything. Right. But even if the goal was like, we're gonna we're gonna screw Microsoft, so we're just taking Final Fantasy away. They already did. Final Fantasy VII remake part two, uh, remake is very clearly exclusive to PlayStation, right? They clearly reworked that contract so it doesn't come to Microsoft. So what's the point of buying Square? 
You know, you could you could make an argument for Sega because then you can be like, okay, well, Microsoft can't come in here and force their way into Persona exclusivity, so we took that. But why wouldn't you just go, hey, Sega, here's ten billion dollars, give us a Persona team. You know, why wouldn't you go to Warner Brothers and say we want Rocksteady and in NetherRealm? Why why are you buying publishers? This is why I don't understand why Microsoft bought publishers. So you have all this IP now, and you have Treyarch, Raven, Infinity Ward, and High Noon and Beanox. What? Why did you spend right, this money yeah. for all this? Yeah. Like they got, the, like to me, the Activision deal is ex- extraordinarily top heavy, and people are looking all at all the stuff they could do. And I'll tell you right now, my bold prediction: they do nothing. They continue to pump out Call of Duty. That's what they're going to do. Because why would they do anything else? There's sure, yeah, they'll probably have Toys for Bob do Spyro and Crash. That makes a ton of sense, you know. But mm-hmm. at the same at the same token, why couldn't Sony go to Microsoft and be like, "Listen, Spyro and Crash are legacy characters for us. We want to buy them from you." Why couldn't they do that? Is there, you know? Because I think I, I tweet. I don't know if I tweeted this or I said it to you guys in Discord. There has to be a certain point where I said it in the our Discord. Uh, in the description if you want to join that. <laughs> um, but I said where, at this point, Microsoft has too many games to do anything with all of these games. So at what point are they just like, you know what, you can have Call of Duty because making it exclusive just, A, it shortens the the player base even more, but it distracts from the other stuff we're doing. So yeah, you might as well keep Call of Duty. You might as well keep Overwatch because all we're doing is destroying our player bases and then we all the other games we're putting out, like the, the next Spyro or the next Crash or the next Hexen or the next Gabriel Fuentes or whatever that game was, um, all of those games are being distracted from because of Call of Duty. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, I get what you're saying. I think... For me personally, and I am curious to see what Saul thinks here, I, I do think that Call of Duty has been in a weird slump lately. I agree. And I think I think if there's ever been a time for them to look and actually go, hey, with the position that we are in coming under Xbox, and again, that doesn't mean we see this until the Xbox acquisition is actually complete, I think that there might be a move to do exactly what happened with Assassin's Creed when it got too big for its own pants and started kind of failing. Um, I think it might be time to look at doing a once every two year Call of Duty with a four year development cycle across two developers makes it easier, gives more time to actually read the market, see what the market wants, adjust to certain things in the market. It lets them free off other teams so that you don't have to have a three year dev cycle pe- pulled off by trying to pump up uh, with extra teams like Raven and High Moon and Toys for Bob and all these t- teams that you've just rallied behind being Call of Duty support studios. Now, some of those have to stay because. Call of Duty is a machine that has to still be pumping because it just makes so much money and the expectation is there with casual gamers. So I agree with you in the fact that Call of Duty stays um, multi-platform. I just, it, it makes no sense. It would, I think that we saw when, when, my, well, when they bought Minecraft and they saw that Minecraft would be the dumbest game in the world to suddenly make exclusive, and it would have been, that they didn't because they're smart and they've had opportunities since then. And they still release things like Minecraft dungeons on PlayStation because the Minecraft name is too big to consult to confine into one thing when there's money to be made. 
hand over fist and PR to be spun in a completely positive way. If you keep going, hey, you remember when we bought this and you were so scared? Look at what we did. We left it multi-platform while we rake in your tons and tons of cash that you don't even have to buy an Xbox for. Um, so in that regard, there's that. Um, but I do think that there is a chance, given what's going on, that Microsoft does allow some of these teams to do different stuff. Now, I do think that the business will go largely unchanged. But as you said, the thing I think you key in on here um, is teams. And I think what Microsoft's doing in their game they're playing, you can ask, why buy, buy, why buy Activision when they have all these teams, but most of them are just on Call of Duty? And then, of course, you get Blizzard. And Blizzard has a, a fair amount of active development teams, so that's fair. Um, I think what the real goal here, right, is what they're paying for is this Game Pass splurge to where suddenly all of these IPs and all of their games can be on Game Pass where people can play them. And let alone now you can say, well, instead of Game Pass having 300 games, Game Game Pass now as a result of this merger has 400, 500 games you can play right now and then Call of Duty day one and this day one. I think that's their big move. Um, And then having teams to hopefully, if needed, be able to use some of this IP as they see fit, rotate through them, and hopefully deal with fatigue. Um, Saul, before I start talking about the Square Enix of his side of things, because I do think there's some interesting stuff there. I mean, how do you feel like the breakdown of teams and development from the Call Call of Duty side of things are actually going to be handled? Uh, I think I asked him at a bad time. I think Yeah, my mic stand's being dumb. (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah whenever you get that fixed we'll kind of do that so real quick i guess chris mm-hmm. um just I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on it because you said it so um one of the things that you said was and, and correct me if i'm wrong is what does microsoft or what does sony get from buying square right uh and and then you said now they could go after sega just to stop Microsoft from coming in and getting something like Persona or whatever it be to yeah. be de facto exclusive by buying Sega. So in your mind, why is it that why is it that they could go buy Sega? Just so I'm kind of wrapping up um, how you're feeling about this, right? Why is it that you think that micro that Sony could go after buying Sega so that Sega can't be bought by act. I mean, by uh, Microsoft, but you don't necessarily think the same fate could come because reality is if they've got the money to do this and they've got the money to potentially strong arm themselves into a Sega purchase, if Sega says yes to get that exclusivity, then what is to say that they couldn't go, Hey, uh, you know what? Uh, Square Enix, we're going to go ahead and buy you outright so that we can get a lot of these Japanese games we've been losing to Sony after your contractual agreements are out, and we get a couple, we get some teams. Uh, what do What do you think makes those two different in your mind? Nothing. I just prefer prefer Persona. So it's just for you. It's just which one's the bigger loss? Yes, exactly. I don't okay. I don't care about Final Fantasy, but I care about Persona. So that was me just giving an example off my own personal bias. I don't sure, think they should buy sure. either. Like I said, I think they should go targeted. Okay, you want like you Microsoft might be going after Sega. Hey, uh, Sega, why don't you sell us Atlas and Persona Team first? <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, yeah, I don't. Know, I mean, I don't I, think they. I should. get where you're coming from. Curate with developers that fit <laughs> like your style and and what PlayStation is right. kind of built up as their in-house feel. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, why would you buy you know WB 
when you could not the company but the games division right when you could just sure. go hey give us another realm and rocksteady keep whatever else you want to sell keep sell microsoft traveler's tales we don't care about that but you know we want to make our own exclusive fighting game with nether realm and well who is hey, we sony so right that's why that they're buying everything though so that there could be no we what do you mean? Well, you said why? Why wouldn't they go after a single studio that fits their needs, so that we, we being Sony, could make our own fighting game using Nether Realms? It's because they don't want that. They want. If now, they who take, is they in this situation? Microsoft. If, well, yeah, okay, but, just just make it sure. If, if if we're if if the reason they're buying this entire studio and not just or this entire publisher and company is not so that they they don't want to go pick which studio they want to work with. It's that if they announce, oh. Well, now, um, you know, Sony is working directly with, I mean, or Microsoft has bought Blizzard. Sony's like, well, time to go buy the rest of Activision or something like that so that they know what they're going in. So it's, it's, it's a competition market. It's, it's they're buying up the full market in that specific yeah. company instead of just buying one at a time. Right. But that's my point is I think that's stupid because that, they got that's how business the, works. That's that. No, it's not necessarily. No, it absolutely that, is. When you have a comp, when you have a competitor and you have distributors, you buy up everything and not just small things at once. But, you, but there's no reason to buy. If you can. What what good reason is there to buy Beanox and High Noon? They got those. They got them like, essentially for free when you think about it, because they really paid for Activision Blizzard. But they got everything else under the sun for free. Why not take it? They didn't care about that. That studio is virtually worthless to them. The studio virtually well, so makes no money to them. So why not just have it just to have it? It's the yeah, same. This brings up something same as this, that we haven't really talked. Well, about. I was gonna say it's the same as if Sony right. bought Sega. If Sony bought Sega, they're getting Atlas. But there's all these little itty bitty Sega studios. They don't necessarily care about, but they have them all anyways. So why not? If you're spending this much money, why not just capture everything? Because I don't think one studio costs this much money. That's the thing. I don't think. Well, it's I not. Think if my, it's not just the studio that costs money, though. It's the idea behind the product, and it's the product. Well, yeah, and it's, it's the, the marketing, IPs. and yeah, it's it's everything. It's the value of the company. Yeah, but I'm saying if you go buy another, like the example you used was another realm. Um, you don't. So we don't want Mortal Kombat. We want to make have another realm make our own. I don't know PlayStation uh, mascot fighter game. They don't need the IP for Mortal Kombat. They don't need DC. Hey, we're in bed with Disney. You're going to do Injustice, except it's Marvel. Like, they don't need the IP. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying... Like, obviously, there's merit to buying full companies. You'd probably want to buy all of Sega rather than just Persona Team because you would get Sonic, Mario at the Olympics. You would get all this kind of stuff. But I don't think Sony needs to do that necessarily. They need to... It makes more sense to do targeted acquisitions, in my opinion. Maybe for Sony. Go buy Supergiant. But we're, we're, I was talking about Sony. <laughs> that was my point. I'm talking about what I think Sony should do, and it's targeted acquisitions. I see no reason to buy these big companies. Well, the, especially that was my that was my counter argument to you, though, is because for Microsoft, they have that kind of expenditure money from other sources, not just their gaming division. So let, let me look. So Saul, I think what you're trying to get at, and I, and it, it kind of ties into something that Chris, I think, is getting at, and we just haven't outright said necessarily. Um, so you're saying that in this case, the reason Sony would go ahead and buy wholehearted is so that 
they can go ahead and get everything at once and then they can't be potentially piecemealed by Microsoft getting there first. So they're just going in, buying so they get what they want out of it, but get the rest. Right. Because because Microsoft has more expendable <laughs> funds than Sony does in this regard. So exactly. that if Sony was going that, around buying just studio at a studio at a time and Microsoft ca- caught on, we actually just saw this happen. This is a perfect example of Sony bought Bethesda. So Sony was like, let's get Fire Sprite. Let's pick up House Marquee. Let's pick up Bluepoint. So then Microsoft's like, well, let's get Activision Blizzard. Because instead of picking yeah. up these little small things, Microsoft just outright took, took, took the next big publisher company they could. Which, this is why I say that, to, to be fair, this is still not a monopoly. It's because, A, there's still sellers in the market that, that are available until till Square or FromSoft or other massive companies start getting sucked up by only one of these companies this competition is still happening, but B is because Microsoft, even though they have this money to spend, they're still third in marketplace. There's absolutely, Mm -hmm. there's, and this, and with them saying what they did about Call of Duty, you're thinking about, okay, this can mean one of two things. It can mean that they want Games Pass on PlayStation so that PlayStation users have access to Call of Duty or that Call of Duty likely is not to be exclusive for now. It's likely to have a couple more years before it becomes full-on exclusive. So, you have this weird window right now of, especially until this buyout is 100% done, of it's kind <clears throat> of meaningless in a weird way. It, it's kind of, it does not affect Sony in the grand scheme of things. Oh, other yeah, than, the, you're saying the purchase is meaningless until it goes through? Well, not only that, but until, until something is done with these IPs. So, like, it's the mm-hmm. same with like the, the Bethesda buyout. You know, we didn't see much of that of value until they announced that Elder Scrolls was going to be Microsoft only. Yeah, well, because of, so. Do you think Diablo and Overwatch Two are exclusives? I don't know. I don't think so. I would you think would, that Overwatch Two they're going to do it like Deathloop, where where it was already announced, or if it was already announced, I don't know if it was announced already or not for PlayStation. But if it was already announced, it's going to be honored. And Diablo, I'm pretty sure was already announced for PlayStation. So I don't think they would go back on their word because they haven't done it yet. We've yet to see well, them announce something and say, "Oh, we're not going to do this now." Well, I guess a Starfield. third-party publisher, yeah, Starfield, but a third-party publisher saying we're putting our game on everything isn't the same as we've signed an exclusive deal for your game. I don't think, yes. like, it would be bad optics, but at the same time, no, it wouldn't because we just yeah, bought. You. No Why would we give you Diablo for yeah. just because I say, "Hey, I'm going to give you and Brett a sandwich," and then I go, "You know what? I was hungry. I saw I ate your sandwich. I'm giving it to Brett instead." Well, historically, that's though, not, if you were a person that said, "I'm going to give you all a sandwich," and you gave us a sandwich, then it's less likely for me to have a worry in my thought, my head, that you would eat my sandwich. The same way right. as, as, as historically, Microsoft has get, has kept this exclusive deal kind of away from things that have already been promised on current consoles. So historically, we've seen Deathloop get missed by the bullet. Ghostwire Tokyo missed by the bullet. So why would I think that Diablo is not going to get missed by the bullet? If it's already been announced for PlayStation, I don't... Diablo is not an exclusive contract with PlayStation. Deathloop and Ghostwire were specific contracts to, we are only on PlayStation. Well, the same same could be said for Elder Scrolls, Um, though. But the opposite. So... But not exclusive. That's what I'm saying. Let's back up because yeah, one of the things that got weird there is that there was talk that Sony was aiming to actually put give Bethesda money, pay for a timed exclusivity window for Starfield prior to this buyout, and the it would always came down to whether or not it moved. And as we're seeing, it didn't move Um, because if Sony would have actually secured that, I think that we would still be getting Starfield as a timed exclusive. That or 
behind the scenes. Um, Microsoft thought that Starfield was such a big thing that they were willing to break contract on one of those and have to deal with the ramifications of breaking contract. Those are the two options, basically. But let's back up for a second. Uh, because I think what Chris was kind of homing in on, and I get where you're coming from too, uh, Saul, is that in an ideal situation, right, Sony can buy something outright because you get development teams out of that. You get IP out of that. You get teams that you know you want to work with as well as teams that you have for support or whatever you need. Uh, and then you just build your internal studios that much more, which Sony clearly is something that they're doing, but they're doing it not on a publisher level. Now, what gets weird is because Sony's not doing this publisher-level thing and almost everything that they've bought has been things that control their own IP or that they already own enough of the IP of. Like, if you think about buying uh, Bluepoint, Bluepoint doesn't really own any IP. Everything that they've done is just remasters. So you're strictly buying a studio, a name, and its workforce that you know does great work, Mm -hmm. right? And I think what Sony's, or I think what Chris is kind of putting at is... We've seen Sony take this move of not worrying about IP as much. Like when they bought, um, when they bought Insomniac, Insomniac owned two IP. They owned Fuse and they owned the IP to um, the Xbox um, Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive uh, that they got, and that was the only two IP, and it was owned outright by Insomniac, the developer, not to some kind of overarching level thing like Activision where you're paying a lot of extra money for IP that is dead, but it is part of the company and you're paying it. Now in this, clearly what we're talking about here is that Microsoft has the money to go ahead and spend this overage and go ahead and buy an entire um, Act, you know, Activision Blizzard King for not only what they're currently producing that's worth it, but all these old things that may not necessarily be worth as much, but they're part of the purchase nonetheless. Sony, and this is the big kind of thing here, Sony doesn't have this kind of money. As you even said earlier, right? So you said Microsoft has this extra spending right, money. Because they have extra divisions think, that are, you know, Windows. Exactly. Exactly. I w- exactly. I would so, also kind of push back on that a little bit because I think. Sony may not have the cash on hand, but Sony could get the money if they wanted to. It is still Sony. They could. They could. <laughs> but, but then again, no, Sony so, so has here's the big deal. The difference is cash on hand versus risky loans yeah. and pulling I'm just things. saying if Sony was so desperate, they were like, EA, we need you, they would figure well, out a way to get that I think that that's money. even further or proof, merge. though, that this is not a monopoly because they're not desperate. This does not affect them in, in a market like that people are thinking it will. By any means, like it, I, I'm still projecting that Sony will still well, be number two in the market share, where Microsoft will still be number three by the end of 2022. There's no way that yeah, you think Tencent's going to overcome Sony because right now mm. Sony's number one. Probably, yes. We'll see how we'll see how desperate they are because I'd be willing to bet in a couple of years we're talking about Sony Amazon or Sony Disney or Sony Tencent. It, Sony like, can't buy Disney. So, I'm not talking no, no. about Sony he's, buying he's Disney. He's talking about the other way. <laughs> oh, well, they'd be Disney Sony, so, wouldn't it? Wouldn't they pay so, be the... So, it's just co- colloquial. I wasn't really naming so the look, company. It would probably just be Disney. This is... And there's something that's all said that we haven't quite quite gotten back around to. So kind of let's get this back on there, I guess. Um, I, so from Chris's point of view, he's saying that whenever... If Sony is in a position where they want to be fiscally responsible... Work within the realm of the money that they have easy access to and doesn't put them in any kind of danger. Right. But still get things that they know benefit them outright. Yeah. 
that it would be smarter to go to Sega and go, listen, we want the Atlas team and ideally we'll, we'll buy just the IP for Persona. They mm. could do that. They could do that. I'm actually surprised or they haven't already. They could say, or yeah. they could say, or they could say, listen, <clears throat> we want the Atlas team and because we don't want to get weighed down by any extra cost, we want to buy the Atlas team and we, you can retain full ownership of the Persona IP. We will bring them over here. They're known, and we can, you know, all we want is to be able to say developed by the team that made Persona. They could be able to get marketing rights in that, and then go, hey, here's the new exclusive PlayStation game, brand new original IP from the team that brought you Persona. Right. That could be Sony's feather well, in a hat. And then you could also do that with the team that bought you, brought you Mortal Kombat. Or you don't even need that with a, with a studio like NetherRealm, right? Mm-hmm. You see NetherRealm on the box. You know who NetherRealm is. So like Chris said, you can go, let me buy the workforce that we know makes amazing fighting games and then let us use our own IP, let them make new IP or let them leverage this Marvel IP so that we can do all yeah. of this within ourselves. So I think that Chris is really arguing for Sony to be more fiscally responsible with their purchases by seeking out things that are 100% net positives to them instead of doing what Microsoft is doing and sometimes buying things that end up being, hey, we had the money and the capital around, so we just bought a bunch of parts of this company that really won't benefit us in the long run. Right. But before we get too far out, I guess, Chris, I'll give you a chance to respond. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. No, I was just going to clarify because I think in the end I agree with Saul's point. But I think what my point was more of, if you're going for Persona Team, why do you care if, if Microsoft buys the rest of Sega? Why do you care if Microsoft buys the rest of WB if you got your specific team? That's kind of what I'm saying. Well, uh, you don't. But well, that, but that's the thing is like most people... to and. Look at this from you know our perspective, the consumer's perspective. You really don't. The same way I don't care that Microsoft or that yeah Microsoft got anything that's in this buyout that's not really Call of Duty. Like mm-hmm. so, from like a personal perspective, like I said, I played Overwatch, I played Diablo, I love those games. Those are good games. But I don't necessarily care that Microsoft has them because that to me is not forcing me. To make any new buying habit, to make any kind of new buying choice, um, sure. as you know, with these grand IPs, I, and see, this is the weird part too. Is like Atlas. While that's a fantastic example with Persona, I'm glad that Brett clarified that you know, make a brand new IP from that team because it's kind of like the Square Enix thing of like, why would Sony buy Square Enix? Because we already see that the market share for those games are exist tenfold on Sony consoles where the same thing for Persona like what Persona game are you going to buy on Xbox right now like is there a there's not a single one is Persona 5 Strikers? dancing all night well, yeah, yeah okay let's what <laughs> Xbox fan is, is playing dancing all night but not so, four or five no, I agree. yeah that's kind of the thing. And that like, leads me to a thing. Like, I understand that there's exclusivity right now, right, on certain things. And, like, definitely the new layer of Final Fantasy where Final Fantasy seven and Final Fantasy uh, sixteen, um, we're not seeing it looks like Final Fantasy Stranger Paradise. So that's going to be multi-platform. So it looks like Sony's targeting specific games that they think are going to leverage them in a big way. They did it with Deathloop, and I think it was a smart choice. Deathloop did do well. It reviewed well, and it was a reason to have a PS5. And if they get really lucky, they'll get similar luck out of Ghostwire Tokyo 
They'll get similar luck out of Forspoken. They might get similar luck out of Final Fantasy 16. They probably have a higher chance of getting luck out of 16 than Forspoken, but we'll see. Point being, um, still nothing within that. Again, it wouldn't be an immediate hit because there's so many contractual agreements there that if Microsoft tried buying Square right now, it would be pointless because they're so tied into years of exclusivity with Sony uh, just from a contractual standpoint, unless they chose to buy and break. But if the reality is is that Microsoft wanted to push, and if you really wanted to go, why would Sony benefit from gaining Square Enix and like actually acquiring them? It would be so that five years from now... Um, Microsoft can't find a window where it makes the most sense and go, we're going to buy them because we want the games that Square offers that would give us a bigger up in Japan that we don't, like we've just never really had. And Microsoft has not had a strong performance in Japan. And if they want that, an easy way to do so is to buy out a company like Square and then make every single thing that you can exclusive, exclusive, and then add everything else that you didn't have exclusivity to to Game Pass the moment that you acquire that company. And then suddenly you have a much more attractive Japanese product. So if you look at each isolation and why they might buy a company, Microsoft has enough money and enough ability to just kind of move around and buy these things, cash out right, so long as the board keeps approving them uh, to eventually reach something that is very, very close to a monopoly. But the reality is, is that as long as Sony are there and they have the means to make their own games and their own consoles and Nintendo are there and they can do the same, they're still not a monopoly. Um, they're just getting uncomfortably close. Um, so, um, Saul, something you said a little earlier is that, and I make sure I didn't misunderstand it, you said it quite a bit earlier, is this idea of Microsoft sounded like you were hinting at Microsoft pushing Sony into a position to spend money in a way that would put them at danger to need to sell to, to stay into a company. Huh? Uh, that's kind of what it sounded like, but I, I was, I'm wanting to double check earlier in the show. You had mentioned Microsoft doing this could put business pressure on people pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hold up. Chris's laptop crashed. Hey, sorry about that. Um, I'm not going to bring it up, but it makes me laugh that uh, <clears throat> Microsoft is actually already listed as an example of an American monopoly. So, Well, they've, uh, they've had antitrust stuff and whatnot back in the 90s. They've had multiple things. I mean... I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think it's they're considered a monopoly within gaming. They're just considered a monopoly as a company as a whole. No, but I guess that's my point. Is they're a monopoly for like like Google is a monopoly because of Google, but Yahoo still exists, DuckDuckGo still exists. It doesn't mean small companies can't still exist, but it's sure. still a monopoly. Sure, <laughs> sure. Like Sony could still exist. It doesn't mean Microsoft doesn't isn't a monopoly. And you can bring that up. I don't really care. <clears throat> I don't want to litigate the whole conversation. It's not worth it because they're not a gaming monopoly. It's just they are very close to a more close to a monopoly than people think they are. It's the closest the gaming industry has ever been to a monopoly. So Yeah, because even if Microsoft let everything stay on PlayStation, at a snap of their fingers, they could take everything away and kill the company. Basically. They could. Yeah. <laughs> well... I'd be really interested to actually see what would happen. It would severely damage the company. But I really are say, you know, I say so. This is what it feels like. But I do have that thing in me that wonders, like, does Sony still just get by doing what they've always done? 
Yeah, they probably do. And do they get but by the more than like, more than well? Like, does it force them if they lose games like that? Does it force them to want to be like, uh, "Hey, all PlayStation games are P or PC day one"? Do they move off of the? Do they try and switch to the Sega route of becoming a publisher quicker than um, worrying more about the next console? I don't know. I just it's a well see, but wouldn't them being forced into a public becoming a publisher kind of be the whole okay? We've killed. We've killed Sony as they were. Yeah, that would, I mean that, that would be, be a Microsoft killing. That would be Sony. a historical moment. I mean, right? No one looks at Sega becoming moving away from being a, a manufacturer to a publisher. No one looked at that lightly. That that's a big deal. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, Sony is going to get bought or merged. That's why I was saying Sony Act, Sony Amazon, Sony Disney, because they will merge. They will not be bought. I think, but they they they're not going to be by themselves much longer. I don't think. Especially if Microsoft was like, "Yeah, we're going to buy EA tomorrow," just just because we can. Yeah, and they could. They could, so long as EA says yeah, and so long as their board says yeah. You know, the the Microsoft board says yeah. They will if they approve seventy billion. EA is a EA is a lesser company than Activision. They'll say yes. I I, I am curious what EA would be um, valued at. I mean, they're definitely in like they're probably in the thirty to fifty million range. They're significantly higher than the Bethesda was. Yay. 39.2 billion. So even if Microsoft did the same thing and paid 20 billion over cost, they would be at 59 billion. God. So it would still be less than yeah, than Activision. Did you see this? Activision CEO claims the company almost merged with EA before Microsoft acquisition. That would have been crazy. They should have done it. See why that would have been better. Yeah, Activision CEO CEO Bobby Kotick has said a merger with EA was almost considered before the Microsoft acquisition. In an interview with VentureBeat, Kotick explains how a deal with Electronic Arts was almost considered due to the company's plans needing thousands of people to be able to execute against our production plans. However, as we now know, they were done by Microsoft. Huh. That would have been he, his quote was. I think that even if we were to have consolidated within EA, that wouldn't have given us what we were going to need going forward. And so you needed to have a bigger partner in order to make it work. What's up, Grundy? Yes, I'm back. We're Hello, back, baby. Bro. Chris is back too. We're going. We're already recording, so let's just keep going with it. Uh, this I think is interesting for the episode, so I'll go ahead and bring it back up to you because it's, it's interesting to see how this goes. Uh, apparently. Bobby Kotick has said that a merger with EA was almost considered before the Microsoft acquisition. Are you talking about with Microsoft? A merger? Uh, no, no. Uh, Activision was going to merge with EA. Oh, that would have been terrible. And yeah, that's that's pretty interesting and weird. I would consider but, that the worst possible like future. Oof. Completely disagree. Really? Yeah, I think that would have been significantly better for the industry as a whole than what's happening now. I think so too. I don't. Um, I don't think that this has anything again, to do with it. Like, I don't think this. I has, don't necessarily think that. I think that's good. I, again, it's same thing as before. Of, I, I don't. I just think that. I think this could potentially. Okay, it's kind of weird, right? History with EA and buying out makes you think no, because a lot of good company, good stuff might be closed down and shuttered. But at the same time, 
I'm trying to be really mindful of like what constitutes being good and bad and what are you really looking at it for? Because if you look at kind of what we're talking about here, there's a lot of benefit that could come from Microsoft, right? Microsoft could deal with all the stuff that's going on and making the place, you know, a sexual abuse haven and stuff at Activision. They could actually alleviate the reins on Call of Duty a little bit because they, they don't need Call of Duty to be their big money machine like Activision did. Activision had to have Call of Duty yearly, so they had a certain yearly income. But now that they're within Microsoft's fold and that expectation is going to be considerably less uh, and it won't be the pillar of the company, all they really need to do with Call of Duty is still make it good get it out there better. So it makes more sense for them to be like, we're going to let you make Call of Duty with a with a break between every year. That way, when it comes back, people are more excited about it. But Warzone can be the evergreen version and Call of Duty campaigns and smaller multiplayer modes will be two years. They could do that and they could free up some of these teams that maybe got put onto Call of Duty when they didn't really want to. Like Toys for Bob had plenty of people leave. They could free these teams back up to make their own things. These are all things that could happen at Microsoft. Will they? I don't know that answer. And is that the only thing that's good, right? Is is all of the good that the people making the games are going to be in a better position? That is a great thing. But just because they're in a better position, what does that do for the market? What does that do for the consumer, the consumer side of things? Do Is our side of things automatically better if the developer and company side of things are better? Maybe, maybe not. And I don't exactly know how to break those things down. So it, it is weird. I'm not sure... If I had to be honest, I'm not sure why I think that this is in my gut not the best move for the industry, but something that's happening nonetheless. But there's just something about it to where I think a change to this magnitude has to have some kind of an impact that is going to be hard to completely understand. And I think maybe the best way, to, the best strongest thing I've heard so far is Chris is an example of all it would take potentially, and this might be the biggest thing, is that Microsoft acquires one more company, two more companies, and then has the ability to strongly negatively impact Sony uh, or Nintendo, but probably more Sony since Nintendo lives a little bit more in a bubble. Well, let's uh, let's just by just going by just saying, and, and then I'll let you go. Sorry, Saul, but by all they, they they could just literally snap their fingers and go. All these games that we said were going to be multi-platform are now exclusive. You won't have them on PlayStation, and suddenly PlayStation loses a lot of of games that can sell, which is where the bulk majority of their money comes from. So that might be the the scariest version of what could happen as this is that a company is historically important to gaming. <laughs> And definitely modern gaming as Sony gets knocked out by a snap of fingers. Uh, but what were you going to say, Saul? That won't ever happen. Industry lawyers will not let that happen. There, there's little. Maybe. No, no, no. I'll there is no, there is no maybe. I'm too there's, ignorant. I don't no, know. There's literally monopoly laws in a place to not let stuff like that happen. Which is why you, you would people calling this a monopoly need to take a look at what a monopoly truly is and the fact that there is no one seller market right now. There, that's not what this is. That. But the, what Google's a monopoly, How? and there are multiple search How? engines. It literally, literally, look up monopolies, and Google is the top one. Just because that there, it doesn't have to be one person running it. It has to be someone with so much power that there's nobody who can be better than them. I think no, I'm not that's not entirely what, sure. But even the definition that I, I said earlier, it doesn't mean one person only. So what is what is what is uh, Google monopoly of? Search engines. So things like Bing and DuckDuckGo that still exist and they're still profitable. How how wouldn't that not classify them as not a monopoly? Because they're still profitable. No. 
No, that doesn't. In October 2020, in October, the Justice Department in 11 states said Google has had illegally maintained a monopoly over online search engines and the ads that appear in user search results. Are they legally classified a monopoly? Are they using that as a slang term saying that they just have the highest search engine optimization and power and population? Because there's two different things. A lot of people are using monopoly as a slang term saying, oh, yeah, they're, they're the most popular. But that's not what monopoly means. No, it's not. Monopoly means the exclusive possession or control of the supply chain. Yes. But so if there's still sellers mean, on the market, then that's not a monopoly. If sellers cannot thrive because of a company, then they are not a monopoly. The whole thing with AT&T that just got broken up is a perfect example of a true corporate monopoly. If 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 Bing can still thrive, if DuckDuckGo can still thrive, if these companies can still thrive and be profitable, then Google is not a true monopoly. If if PlayStation can still remain among market leaders higher than Microsoft after this, then this is mon- not a monopoly. People are throwing that term around as if that monopoly means that they are the one-shot, one-go thing. That literally companies close because of this. You could classify Walmart as a monopoly for local markets. But if Whole Foods still makes more money than Walmart, which they don't, but if they did, they're no longer a monopoly. So I'm kind of looking because I do think it's interesting. And there's a, there's examples of times like AT&T was a monopoly. Yep, that just got broken Microsoft, up like last year. Microsoft is considered a monopoly in many ways. Um, and this actually says that this is kind of what it looks like for monopoly. So it's, it, this is just a quick sentence that I think is pretty interesting. Uh, for everything, there is a reason, even for monopolies. Monopolies often help uh, can help a country or region build or shore up its infrastructure quickly, efficiently, and effectively. But when any company becomes too dominant leaving little room for adequate competition service quality and cons- uh, service quality and consumer wallets can suffer and that's where antitrust laws and come that has so happened, you might be correct is that antitrust laws are there and I know we're not there in gaming no we're not there in gaming um, we're not there in search engines we're not and, there and in I, it, it, hopefully now, we're not FCC lawyer stepped in with AT&T because that was going to be a thing with AT&T becoming a true monopoly Microsoft is not going to become a monopoly over this it's the same as Bethesda. Like we're saying, like, oh, this could be like market shattering. D- to this day, like, was Bethesda only brought up again because of this? The buyout—that's something everybody forgot about. The market did not change. Game still cost sixty dollars and seventy dollars. You still know where to mm-hmm. look for for Sony. You still know what to look for for Microsoft. That's how it's gonna be. Yep. I mean, what is different? Right? I, mean, I, I what, agree what with you. What is different level. right now after this buyout in one year? What is different that instead of PlayStation having Call of Duty rights, that now Microsoft has it? All right, go ahead, Chris. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, no, just keep you, all that in. <laughs> I, I just don't think you can judge this deal off this year. Like you can't judge how the Bethesda affects Sony this year because nothing other than Sony titles have come from Bethesda this year. So you'll see a, an effect when Elder Scrolls Six comes out. Or Starfield, we'll see what ha- hell this year. We'll see what happens with Starfield, and if that affects anything. But I don't think it's fair to say nothing has happened this year because nothing has happened this year in regards to Bethesda and Microsoft. So, well, I just okay, I well, think for the for the most part, like when they do come out, like when Elden Elden Ring, Elder Scrolls <laughs> comes out, it's like I, I think we already got past what would be the internet's meltdown point, which was the announcement. Okay. 
Sure. Right. Yep, like I, I think I think at this point it's just now it's it's letting history run its course that we of stuff we already know that's gonna happen. Um which is why I was saying like I don't I don't think like I think this will be pretty forgettable here real soon because for, for me, and this may just be personal, but for me, it's like whenever Sony announced like, Oh, we have exclusive rights to call of duty stuff. I'm like, Oh, cool. Next. Mm. <laughs> like next, next, what, what's going on next? Like, it's like, you know, it's, I kind of move past this kind of stuff more relatively, you know, easier than most until something else happens. Like until something, you know, I'm sure that we're going to get news that Call of Duty is Games Pass day one, um, mm-hmm. and it will never be an exclusive to Sony again. And then, then we can speculate, you know, when will Sony do Games Pass at that point, if they do. But until mm-hmm. until now, it's like I don't I don't really see this being a a m- massive shakeup in gaming. I kind of just see this as like a daily business kind of like let's move on to the next big thing. So you're saying like on the consumer level, or do you even on the consumer? I guess what you're really saying on the consumer level, it's it's you you don't see any real difference happening even after the acquisition goes through outside of um, right because it's cause just kind the, of being a difference of who is actually paying the bills. Yeah, and then on the business level, I think we're just going to see um, Sony do something, or at least I think that's the that's the spec like speculation. Because well, the one that's, okay, that's what I was curious about. Let me go ahead and ask you that, because then I want to wrap this up with one small conversation that I'm curious to see y'all's thoughts on, because it's been a big thing here. Um, okay. so, so, what do you think if there is something? What do you think is Sony's answer to this? I don't know. I, I really don't, because like we talked about, I don't think buying Square is the solution. I think that mm-hmm. if they bought something like EA, I could see that. But at the same time, I am <clears throat> I really don't care for EA that much. Um, that's why I said I, I the, the the thought process of EA and Activision pairing up is like you kind of have like the the my two least favorite in terms of morality and terms of like business practices teaming up. So like I'm sure. automatically going to disagree with a lot of stuff they do. But um, yeah, when we, we we already see Square just continue to be rock stars on Sony platforms, you see Atlas do the same thing. Uh, other than having you know their star on Nintendo stuff with like SMT, um, mm-hmm. so I, I honestly do not know um, what Sony will do. I I was actually surprised when they got Fire Sprite, so I would be curious as to who they go after next. Um, yeah, I think Sony's thing is get good, competent developers. Who are in Fire Sprite was pretty new. Fire Sprite was actually started by ex Studio Liverpool people. So yeah. this is Studio Liverpool's who who Sony closed down in, in like 2017 or 2012. I thought it was 2017. Yeah, it was. It might have been 13, but it was around the time that the Vita launched because they came out with Wipeout 2048 oh, and yeah. then closed them. Again, um, fantastic. So those. Yeah, those people left and made Fire Sprite. And I do think it's pretty interesting that after being closed by Sony, they were willing to be reacquired by Sony. But Sony's also in a lot stronger position now. Uh, so there's there's that. You have an entire generation of being very dominant with the PS4 to help with that. Uh, and it seems like they're doing it again with the PS5. But... Um, yeah, I think Sony's big play here is to get teams that they know they can trust, that they have a good work relationship with, who don't have a lot of IP weighing them down to bump their cost up. Because the thing is, is that they got a lot of development uh, staff out of the Fire Sprite purchase for not very much money. And the same argument can be talked about with Insomniac. They got a couple of IP, most of you know, most of the IP that Insomniac worked on, Sony already owns. So instead, they just get a, a 
top-notch host of developers uh, that they pull in. When they bought Naughty Dog, same thing. When they bought Sucker Punch, same thing. Sony does not have a history of buying something to really just brute force its way into it. Normally, it's something that they've worked with enough. uh, And some people don't like the word brute force, but I mean, it really is kind of what goes on. People don't look at the difference of how Sony has always typically bought stuff, which is to work with a developer and work with them enough to earn a position of understanding with them and then buy them. But seldom do they buy out the ability for other people to enjoy something they've already loved. Um, So... In that sense, um, I think the real thing I want to talk about now, and I want to wrap the show up with, because I'm starving, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, my appetite's been all over the place since COVID. Um, I, there's this thing going around, and even Colin said it, and Colin is not the only one to say it. Uh, but there's, this happened with the Cinemax purchase as well. This idea that goes around across some of the gaming media sphere, a lot of the Twitter sphere for gaming, a little bit of the Facebook sphere for gaming, and a little bit of the scuttlebutt word of mouth, is this idea that Microsoft has... Microsoft is just buying out companies that they didn't have a relationship that felt that close with, in order to gain access to things. So we saw them buy out Ninja Theory, which at the time felt weird because Ninja Theory had done far more exclusively with PlayStation, um, with Hellblade being a um, uh, uh, you know marketing by PlayStation, Hellblade, uh, not Hellblade, but uh, Heavenly Sword being there. And of course, that wasn't always a great relationship with Sony, but you know, it was what it was. Um, they bought out, of course, um, they bought out Obsidian, Another thing that just kind of felt like it was out of the blue, they brought up Ingzile, felt like that was out of the blue. And the big thing that seems to be happening here is this idea that Microsoft just goes out and buys teams that they don't necessarily have a long relationship with, whereas Sony builds them up. Um, And then with that, this idea that Sony builds long-term relationships and then offers ownership up like we saw them do with Housemark, Blue, uh, Blue Point, all studios that did pretty much all PlayStation games before their purchase. Um, and how we continue to get good results from these studios, whereas Microsoft is five years into their beginning of acquiring a bunch of studios. And for the most part, they don't have a ton to show for it. They do have some to show for it. And I'm not really trying to nail them down, but I want to think there is a level of accountability here where Microsoft says this is to end their shortage of things. And we've kind of all been buying the buying the i won't say the lie but we've all been buying the story of well we need time for this to turn around so the question at large is do you think in this point that microsoft is doing a bad thing or not even say a bad thing but do you prefer the microsoft take of just buying up companies that you think have talent even if you don't necessarily have a good relationship with them or do you think the sony way of building a slow longer form relationship ends up with better output because i think right now there's an interesting split between what each company is actually getting from its output um so chris what do you think um i think it should be a mix of both you know i think a good if you're good at identifying talent you shouldn't need to spend 20 years building up a relationship just to buy a company because Tencent almost bought them. You know what I mean? Which is what happened, sure. seemed to have happened with Housemark. You know, it's like 
Sony doesn't have a great relationship with Supergiant. They seem to have a better one with Microsoft. But you know Supergiant makes great games, so why wouldn't you buy Supergiant? Why wouldn't you go to yeah. them and be like, hey, what can we offer you? You know? Sure. Just because yeah. they, you know, their game was on Game Pass or whatever, it's like that doesn't mean that you can't go out after them. I think cultivating relationship does does do a lot of good work. Gets you things like you know, Naughty Dog being a proven talent. But Naughty Dog got bought early. You know what I mean? They became that. They did. So I think the they whole did. thing is that you just need to be able to be good at cultivating that talent, which is a worry with Microsoft's approach. Is like, can they cultivate the like 65,000 teams they now have? Is that a thing? Can they turn High Noon and Beanox into great studios? You know, who knows? Yeah, and that would actually be amazing because they've made good games. I mean, you can point at High Moon, and I think both of the uh, Transformer Cybertron games are excellent games. Absolutely, uh, and that's just how things go. So the the talent was there. Now teams change. Is that talent still there? Is that want still there? Do you have to pump these teams back up? Is it sensible to do so? Um, yeah, I just I think that that's a, an interesting viewpoint. So Saul, what is you, you kind of it looked like you agreed with Chris? Do you kind of agree that kind of ranging in the middle is the best way to go yeah i think that uh, well yeah i agree that um you know i think that there's a place for both ways to do it i think like as bad as microsoft gets kicked in the dirt financially from game sales and consoles not you know computer sales window sales any of that junk sure um that them doing this i think that you know that's it's almost what they feel they have to do and mm-hmm. you know, I you know, without having insider numbers or anything, I can't exactly agree that they need to do that. But at the same time, you know, I think that you know, we saw just we'll use Ninja Theory as an example. We we actually live streamed that E three and reacted to that, and we still have not seen if that's going to be fruitful for them or not. We have not seen the game that 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 they are you know in charge of producing to get out, which is Hellblade two. Until this year, so what was that like? Four years ago that they announced that to know yep, that if that was a was that a if that was a um, fruitful buy or not? We don't know. Um, so it's weird. And real quick, just because I, I know we had this, and I, I want to be fair to Xbox on this, I'm really not trying to downplay them because I don't want to act like they never do this. Uh, I think a really great example of a studio that I just want to throw out there for anybody who thinks we're trying to throw fire. That's not what's going on. Uh, I think a great example of a studio that Microsoft did identify and partner with early and then not buy until they already had a number of games under their belt with them was Playground Games, the developer yeah. behind Forza Horizon. They yep. bought them in 2018 at the same time as Ninja Theory, but they had a clear understanding and Ironically, of all the studios they've bought in 2018, Playground Games is one of the only ones that's put out a new game that was developed from the ground up after their acquisition um, with Forza Horizon 5. Whereas, you know, we have weird little offshoot games like Obsidian's Grounded, but Grounded was in development before the Microsoft purchase happened, and all it did was get released as a Microsoft title. So it's not really in. You know, Ninja Ble- Ninja Theory had that weird hero shooter game that ended up what was it called, Bleeding Edge or whatever, that didn't end up seeming to do anything, and it ended up being a Microsoft exclusive. But it was something they were already working on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but sorry, go ahead, Saul. I just wanted to. There is, I think, Playground is probably the best example of of Microsoft buying a studio that they built up that uh, we have right years now years of relationship with. Yeah. 
Um, so like that's the thing so is like they, it's, so they know how to do it. They have that. They have that yeah. pedigree somewhere. Yeah, and it's 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 something I don't think we're going to see the ripples of this particular buyout or Bethesda's buyout. You know, for a while, that's not a direct you know and or um, a direct movement from Sony. Um, so it's like people can say you know this is going to be detrimental to Sony. I've seen that. I've seen somebody say like Sony has to make a multiplayer game now to compete with Call of Duty. No, they don't, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't make. They should not make a. Oh, we've said this before. They should never make a game just because competition's doing it. Um, I agree with that. People buy Sony consoles because they like Sony first-party games, um, or they like the console themselves. Neither of which has to do with multi-platform games. So that when you do have, you know, I'm not saying that you can't lose business from from multi-platform games. If all your friends play Call of Duty and they go to Xbox, um, before, well, that's actually a bad example because now that, you know, Xbox and Call of Duty, but previously, you know, if all your friends play Apex on PlayStation and they go to Xbox, you know, that could very well much move you to Xbox, but that has nothing to do with what Sony has done. And that's the more casual True. kind of thing I think that happens. So, yeah, in terms of this, like, I don't necessarily disagree with... You know anything? I don't think that this is going to do much of anything. I think that if anything, it's it's like what with what uh, Phil said about Games Pass. Is it, I think the only thing it's going to do is force uh, individuals, not Sony themselves, but it's going to force individuals to look at Sony and expect an answer. And I don't think that will. You know, I don't know. You can't. It's hard to predict that kind of stuff. You don't know if you'll get it or not. So it it certainly sure. has already done that. It certainly has already forced people to say, "Well, wh- like, what's Sony's answer to this?" So I think that that's I, honestly, I think that that's fifty percent of reason why Microsoft does this. Because Phil Spencer is a very smart man when it comes to PR. He's and you got to think about it. In the last five years, when has Microsoft had bad PR? Like a bad, bad case of PR. It's very rare. Yeah. Same same for Sony. But um, yeah, it's it's he knows what he's doing when it comes to PR. Just the same as last week when he asked the question of Games Pass and and Sony's service and day in and day out first party games for Sony, is that it, it did that? It made people think like, okay, well, yeah, Sony, what are you doing? It made them question um, and expect. And you know, individuals who know better, they'll they'll they they don't care. They will, they'll they'll ask that same question mentally of like yeah what would they do but they're not expecting an answer where the more casual people are and it's putting a little bit of pressure on Sony or it seems like it is it doesn't always do it because those questions don't get answered sometimes so yeah. right well I think it's also this this the bubble that happens because one of the things that came out from this is that Game Pass is and, and I say only because of the breadth of systems that technically it's available on. With Game Pass being available across all Xbox One consoles, all Xbox Series consoles, technically on phone now if you really wanted to do it, and then um, PC, it seems interesting that Game Pass is still only at 25 million subscribers. Um, so we, get, we hear this talk about inevitability, and I'm not saying he's wrong, but at the same point, 25 million subscribers, uh, when you think about all of the gamers that are out there, is not 
quite the number that I would have expected. I know that it kind of grew real quick, and I'm not saying 25 million is anything to scoff at. You and I talked about this other day, Saul. Right? Even if mm-hmm. every single one of those people got in for that dollar, the a one month, dollar, yeah, for three months, exploit or whatever. whatever it be, you're still dealing with 25 million dollars, which is monthly, <laughs> monthly, yeah. Mm-hmm. which is not anything to scoff at. And yet, even with that, we're seeing that Microsoft is third behind Tencent and Sony. So I think that it goes to show that Game Pass may, or the Game Pass thing may be inevit- an inevitability. And Phil might be right. Or maybe there's a reason that Sony is still doing perfectly fine without the Game Pass model at play now clearly they don't think that entirely because they're dealing with spartacus to some degree but we still don't know what spartacus is we keep hearing about it being this game pass thing yeah and maybe it's not maybe it just really isn't and maybe we're getting weird mixed information i tend to believe that it's going to be at the very least a uh, uh, some kind of a relabel to how they handle ps plus and ps now and probably the added backwards compatibility like we were talking about but we'll wait to see what that is and what that means and how that impacts sony and if by the end of this year, next year, whenever this Activision thing goes through, if anything's really different, uh, I think I kind of agree in that sense. But uh, um, I think I don't think that there's anything else about this that I find too necessary to talk about. I agree with mu- much of you. I think there's no reason to look at a studio that makes great games and not go after them if you know they make great games. I think Chris made a good point. Supergiant makes great games. And just because Sony doesn't have the absolute best relationship with them doesn't mean they can't go in there and say, hey, you know, we like your work. We like the kind of games you do. We'd like to have them on our system and represent our system. And what can we do? What kind of workplace are you looking for? What kind of money are you looking for? You know, there's a lot of questions to be had. And uh, one of the things that I think from a management standpoint can really uh, work better with the way that we at least outwardly see Sony versus Microsoft approaching these things. Uh, And Microsoft could still be approaching it right, but they don't have the built-in trust that some of the developers do when Sony goes to them and goes, Blue Point, we are... You know, we know that you like being independent. We know that you like having your own freedom of choosing what you want to do. But we think you guys do great work. And we think that we've shown time and again that our work environment is conducive to the way that y'all enjoy making games and making great products. And as a result, we think buying you out and still giving you all the freedom that you know you've always gotten with us makes you a good fit for us. And I think it makes studio management in a position like that be way easier to go, you know what? I feel good about this. Let's go ahead and do it. And that's the thing is just because Microsoft has money does not mean that Microsoft will get the yeah. You know, if a developer really doesn't like the idea of working with Microsoft for any number of reasons, they have the ability to go, we appreciate the offer, but you're not the work environment that we're looking for. Right. And that might be the that might be the basic answer. And maybe Sony's real retaliation to this is nothing more than doing what they've always been doing and just going to people and go, listen, we're offering you this acquisition opportunity because we think that we'd be a good fit for you and we'd let we'd help you thrive into making the things that you want to make and have always wanted to make. Whereas I think Xbox has a little bit more of a burden of proving that that is actually what they're aiming to do. There's this online Twitter sphere thing right now going on where if Days Gone had been an Xbox property, maybe it'd be getting a sequel. And like we said last week, maybe that's true, but maybe it's not. Maybe this is just people accrediting something to Microsoft that's not really true. And we don't know that yet because Microsoft hasn't had the output to let us see that. 
it's nice that there's people that think that that's what's going on and have that feeling toward them. But for now, I think we're still in this game of Microsoft is in wait and see. And all these acquisitions ultimately still don't show us exactly what Activision wants to do while we all still have to wrangle with whether or not exclusivity comes into play. Um, So I think that's it for me. Um, Thank you guys for joining me. Um, Glad we were still able to do this, even with a couple of technical problems, Chris. Glad you were able to make it back around. Um, uh, Anything you guys want to close off with or y'all good? I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good. All right. Well, I think uh, we got to get into the outro rigmarole. But before we do that, I do want to express our plans as we have discussed with Chris. Saul, I haven't had a chance to completely talk with you on this. Um, We originally were going to have Chris come down uh, a weekend in February for episode 250. But since we had a couple of delays in episodes and things, uh, that pushed it. So now Chris is going to be coming down the weekend of February 26th. On the 27th is when episode 250 should be, uh, if we've done our math correctly, which I can't believe that there's a way we hadn't. Uh, So expect for us to do a live episode on that Sunday, the 27th, followed by, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Is it just going to be Chris and you saw going seeing who can get the furthest in a single run of slay the spire is there a way to do competitive and slay the spire how are we going to be doing this i don't think there's a way to do competitive slay the spire is there chris like i don't, I don't, I don't think i'll do so. the game yeah so it'll just okay. be I, I guess we could just do uh, uh like we did with dead cells where we see how far yeah, someone take can turns. get in a single run see who uh who wins in an hour the most time yeah and like, of course yeah, we'll just be hanging out going yeah, I will be I will be modding out. Uh, I'd be the being the mod and the person who's uh, answering questions. You guys can hang out with us, talk with us, chat with us. Uh, we had a listener who uh, asked if we've thought about transitioning to a live show, and there's a lot of reasons why we quite haven't. Some of them are technical reasons, some of them are uh, time reasons, and whether or not a Sunday morning is going to be ideal for most people to be able to join. Uh, <laughs> but there's your opportunity to come in, hang out with us on a live. We're going to start trying to do those more often, uh, at least every milestone episode. Not necessarily Chris flying down, but the idea of a live episode, if nonetheless. I mean, if Chris could fly down once a quarter, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) That's a lot of time and commitment. If you want me to fly down once a quarter, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Nartech. Chris knew exactly where I was going with it. Yeah, but you you can make that happen. By going over to patreon.com slash nartech like the Lord Corgi did this past week, even though uh, we've been off and on Thanks a ton. Uh, everyone who's joined lately, you think you guys are awesome. Um, sorry for the episode. If it's a little out of hand, I tried my best to maintain it in my COVID filled mind. So hope you enjoyed it. And I think the biggest last question here is what do you individually think of the uh, Activision merger? That'll be our community's take for next week. Uh, I won't say merger, the Activision buyout. Cause that's what it is. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, Xbox isn't becoming Xbox, Activision, Blizzard, King. So uh, what do you think of this buyout, this acquisition? Uh, you can, of course, always let us know in the comments below. You can hit us up on the Discord and just talk uh, everything about this episode with us in the Discord or the podcast open discussion segment there. Uh, the community's take question where we'll actually kind of read some of your answers next week. That's also on there. You There's a dedicated channel that you can answer uh, once we ask the question. And there you can also do that on Twitter at Triangle SQRD and on Facebook at Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast Group. Remember, be asked to let in. We'll gladly let you in. Um, 
But I think until next week, this has been episode 245. So we will be back next week to see you guys for 246. And we thank you a ton. Thank you. Shout outs to our patrons. I don't have that up, but we know that one of them is Mr. Lord Corgi. So Lord Corgi, thanks for being our newest patron. You get the big shout out. Uh, and let's see. Apparently, I got to relog into our Patreon. This is what you get, guys. You get on-the-fly stuff right here, okay? We have the Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Wartpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Luke Bartolomeo. Sorry, it's the same guy, but you get listed twice. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Danny Villiobo, Solidary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and of course, my name is Dan. Thank you all for your long months of patronage for those who have been around for a long time and for the new ones. Thank you very much. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye.